You're listening to episode 248 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Do you guys hear that? No. Um, no? Something in the recording with one of your microphones? No, no my, my AC is off. I'm hearing this popping sound that I can't, I can't stop hearing it. What, what is this? Interesting. Now that you mention it, maybe. I think I hear it. What is it? Is it on the, is it Zoom? It's never done this before. It might be. Interesting. Well, you know, we are here to talk about comics. Could it be related to comics? Like a, like a, like a comic pop? Oh, there you go. You said the magic word and we're joined by Sal from Comic Pop. Woo! What a, what an intro. You're, Thank man, you. You are welcome. <laughs> Would you believe I've done worse than that? No, that was uh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I'll, I'll give it to you because I, uh, I you know, over the years I've had uh, some pretty some pretty rough intros, and uh, that one was that one was actually on brand. Like that worked fine. You know, it wasn't like weird or it wasn't esoteric. It didn't have anything. You know, like, the, the the channel's comic pop. You heard a popping sound. You hear that in the mic. I was legitimately worried my mic was actually having a problem. <laughs> But, I'm, but no, I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you very much for that intro. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, pals. Absolutely. Uh, this is what we are referring to as the crossover of the week. Pals and the Pops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, week is good, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say crossover the century, but like, you know. Not even close. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're dragging you down. You guys, no, you no, know. No. This is a good show. Um, I, I'm amazed, by the way, not to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, please. Uh, I was just I was looking. I was just looking at uh, you know. I was. I had when you reached out to me. I was like, all right, let's check a look at these freaking pals. Uh, and you bet two hundred shows. Most folk who uh, you know who reach out are like, you know, I've just started a show and you should come on. And I'm like, let's see if you're going to actually keep doing the show before right. we, you know, have guests on. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but two hundred and some. Uh, what was it? Forty something. Forty eight. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and and it's and it's consistent. Like. Good audio, mm. good video, 248 episodes. That, that, that is an achievement. Wow. That, that's more than I could say. <laughs> thank you very much. C- certainly not. Uh, but thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's very rare that we get a guest on here who is complimenting us. You've turned the tables already, Sal. <laughs> Happy to do it. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, if you are somehow unaware of who Sal is, Sal is, of course, as we said at the top, from the YouTube channel Comic Pop, uh, they it's funny because you guys have a similar kind of deal going on that we do a personality driven uh, series of shows about comics. Um, and it's, it's all really cool. You guys have two channels now. That's right. Uh, Thank you yeah. for remembering. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh- yeah. Uh, comic pop comic pop returns where you guys are doing you know like your live content which is really cool yes um they do interviews with some pretty high profile guests we're going to get into that because i have some questions for you sure about that um and they do comic reviews just like us so uh it's, we're very similar channels and that's why we felt that it would be cool to kind of um, bring you on and have a conversation uh so that's what we're going to do today and uh we're very excited for that before we get into all that, I do want to let you guys know uh, where you can find the pals all over the internet. Uh, if you are new to us, uh, we do interviews, talk about the news, and all of the comic characters you love in all the places you can find them right here on this show every single Monday. 
Uh, so while you're thinking about us, leave us a follow, a rating, a review on your podcast hosting platform of choice. If that happens to be YouTube, make sure you hit the subscription button to subscribe for free. Leave us a like, drop us a comment. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want to talk to us, write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And if you really want to hang out with us, join our Discord server where we're always having fun conversations about all the stuff that happens on this podcast every single week and everything else. So without further ado, so Sal. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello again. <laughs> what I appreciate about all that, as Sean went through his spiel, mm-hmm. Sal was doing his version of that as a podcast host, and he was gesturing more than Sean was. Just really, really <laughs> hamming up those faces. You got it. It's a bit, it's a visual medium, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta play to the to the audience. You know, yeah. you gotta keep them interested. Fair point. I gotta work on that. One of the one of the first things that I well, one of the only things that uh, a, a professional YouTube multi channel network executive who, of course, was unceremoniously fired after they were acquired by a large corporation, uh, told me that uh, if you're doing a lot of like long form YouTube content, guess what? 90% of your audience isn't watching. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, no, they're, they're putting it on and they're doing laundry or they're doing other things, but they're not watching you. Yep. And I'm like, cool. So uh, I try to gesture a little more, kind of give those people who are watching the show, who are actively viewing the show, a little something extra. Interesting. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking like, well, do I do that? And I thought about all the times I've been on YouTube in the last week. Yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> tabbed out doing something, you know, playing a game or right? working or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Doing laundry with yeah. my you know, headphones in. So, yeah, absolutely. That's true. Right. Um, speaking of the channel, though, you guys have been around for quite some time yourselves. Yeah. Um, when did you officially start comic pop oh well, i didn't know there's gonna be a quiz uh well <laughs> it's been a while right uh not to quote a song but it's uh oh, that song will be forever remembered <laughs> you're not kidding <laughs> like literally that song is like what was it stained stained yes good yeah i will never forget i'll be dying and be like stained did that <laughs> but like anytime anybody says it's a while it's like uh god i get not no no uh there's another one ah it doesn't matter yeah it's banned I'm just, yeah no <laughs> uh no there's another song i'm trying to think of that doesn't matter it's not what the show's about you asked me when the hell we started and uh the answer is coming to me just as soon as i look it up uh, <laughs> I'm vamping. we're vamping it's okay. yeah no uh 2011 is when we joined youtube officially wow. uh i want to say that uh yeah, uh, back issues probably started. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look that up too. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, let me tell you, like, oh, here we go. Seven years ago. <laughs> right. Nice. Yes, we've been doing this for seven years, and uh, when I started, you know, it's funny because like YouTube is like dog years, right? Because it's like, yeah. you know, oh, I've been doing this for only seven years, and they're like seven years. <laughs> Uh, that's when like the dinosaurs began. And I'm like, there were dinosaurs before me, man. Anybody remember (laughs) Joe Beretta? Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) he's great. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, the, the people who inspired me long, long, long since aged out of the system. Yeah. Uh, and, and, And I've, I've deliberately like kind of been actively aware of that, you know, like YouTube is kind of like recycling 
and moves over. And I, I try to like remain relevant, trying to innovate, create new things and, uh, and consistently be here, you know, as opposed to like some people who are like, well, I, you know, I've kind of moved on. I want to get into like TV and stuff. Like, I'm like, no, I'm good right here. This is it. <laughs> I've never done my, my, my parents always ask me, you know, they're like, Hey, so uh, you think you're going to move this into like maybe TV or movies? And I'm like, I try to do that. Like, before that, you know, more than seven years ago, I tried to get into TV and movies. Yep. They didn't want me. And seeing it and being on the other side of it and getting closer to it, having done YouTube than ever before, I don't want it. You know, what other world do I get to literally hang out with my friends and make the content I want to make with no expectations from anybody else except the audience? <clears throat> and I get paid to do it. This is it. This is this is this is it. We're good. <laughs> And that's the that's the brilliant part about what YouTube has kind of been for so many of us over the years. It's like, you know, we don't you don't have to have uh, connections to get on television and deal with Hollywood and all that extra stuff. Like, right. you, you know, sit in front of your microphone and your camera and talk and yeah. people will listen or they won't. And you can, you know, but you're betting on yourself. Right. Exactly. You literally all you have to do is fall down by accident and you could be a sensation <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah. yeah yeah somebody needs to fall out of their chair and then you clip that put that on t- on a tiktok or something and marco uh, go perfect tiktok <laughs> content i just opened it up wait ready ready <laughs> yeah, didn't even commit amazing know, didn't, right? <laughs> didn't even, don't hurt yourself <laughs> on my account not on not on the episode i'm on <laughs> uh so there was there there came a time i'm sure as you were putting out videos you know grinding away yeah um that you saw a a jump you know mm. you saw an increase in viewers an increase in subscribers um that kind of put you on the map yeah you know, put comic pop on the road to being where you guys are now on yes. the road to 100k which is amazing thank uh, you and i encourage i encourage everyone listening to go and support that journey get comic pop to 100k they absolutely deserve it thank you is there anything that you attribute uh the 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 success of the of the brand to that that moment where you kind of went from like we're doing okay to wow this is really something uh it's interesting because we're still kind of waiting for that moment uh Mm -hmm. but when it became when we turned into a comic book channel like when it was like oh i can keep like i can really do this uh it was uh secret wars when we did the original 1984 secret wars episode of back issues um i was just going through books that i had read recently uh based on that show and we did secret wars and clandestinely the episode dropped and youtube was volatile enough and when i say volatile i don't mean that in a derogatory i mean like when it was like anything could happen oh uh, mm-hmm. when they dropped like right when hickman announced that his event was going to be called secret wars wow. and so everybody was searching secret wars and for us like we were, we were doing okay like we were getting like 10 12 or like you know for when we had also launched off the rack our comic book review show and that did okay you know we did a couple hundred here a couple hundred there maybe a thousand and i remember uh when secret wars hit I think it jumped to 10K, you know, like in a cup in like a week. And I'm like, what's happening? Uh, like, why is this working? And then someone's like, yeah, man, Secret Wars. I'm like, oh, and that's kind of when the algorithm, not the algorithm, like not the algorithm that YouTube literally like just sent off 
like drones and and runs the whole thing now but rather the, the like the math of if you do this and piggyback off of that and hit the google trend you know you can like there's a math to it that you can follow and uh thankfully i was actually uh just around that time also on the radar of benny and rob from uh comic story and comics explained respectively yeah. and uh, they were looking for a third yeah. for their yeah. podcast <clears throat> and uh thankfully i, I fit the bill and their interest in us uh, helped bolster us a little further and their knowledge, like their, their knowledge of gaming the system and using like the algorithms and the math involved in like trends to kind of parlay us a little further than we would have had we just been going by the seat of my pants um, because that's how I normally operate. And that's how comic pop has operated. I mean, like we weren't even comic pop until a few years into the channel. And uh, it's another, it's another issue we had because like, you know, it's again all about the math. Now I don't even know <laughs> like how YouTube operates and how YouTube like selects you for like viral status or even just just push notification status because yeah. you know as you know as well as I do I'm sure that like liking the video subscribing to the channel it ain't enough anymore. Now you got to hit the bell for notifications, but it's not enough to do that. You also have to consistently watch the show, and then if you do watch the show, YouTube will show the show to you. Like it's just this whole thing. But back then it was the Wild West, dude. And that's funny because YouTube had already been a thing. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I had already learned some of the math about how to do YouTube seven years ago and it had changed. And uh, so it was around then. It was probably around like the, the six year mark. So I'd been doing it for probably about a year or so or half a year when, uh, when Secret Wars hit and that like kind of pushed us. The other thing was, of course, like Secret Wars spun into you know like a bazillion different titles and yeah i don't know I, i've i have not seen anything like that again in a long time outside of things like new 52 or rebirth mm -hmm. and that helped a lot because there were so many books and there were so many new fans and there was so much like just 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 eyeballs on it that if we hit on anything people were interested in it helped get people in and then they would watch it and be like, oh, it's not I'm not like finding out what happens in the comic book necessarily. I'm getting a lot of commentary, discussion, discourse and stuff like that. And then and opinions, which uh, back then a lot of folks were kind of like, don't give your opinion because that you'll 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 alienate the audience. Um, you know, you want to get everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I was never interested in that. I, it, I'm just I'm just incapable of doing it is the reality. I'm just incapable of censoring myself enough to be like. I'll just say I like everything. I remember doing shows like I've been on other people's shows where I'm like, I'm going to test myself and see if I could just say I like everything, you know, get the audience in, you know, because if we're, you know, the collab is all about like finding new people like the like, like, what do you call your audience? Are they the pallies? What do you what is there? <laughs> you know, we don't have a name for them yet. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess we always just kind of assume they were extended pals. Right. Yeah. Extended pals. Yeah. You want to give them a, you want to give them something to get hmm. behind. Interesting. You know? Like we have the population, which I think Tiffany. Oh, oh. I don't remember. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 What about, uh, okay. What about the pals elation? Mm. Oh, wow. Feels a little derivative. <laughs> what do you mean? You might, want, you might want to workshop that a little bit. I'm just throwing hey. stuff at the wall. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No, you know what? There are no good. There are, there are no bad ideas here. You're right. There are no good ideas. You're right. That's, that's well, you know, you got <laughs> yeah. me on the show. 
but, uh, but thank you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how we started was just like making we and what's funny is that like that really sparked my my, my desire to make more. You know, it's like we did back issues, which was like a no brainer off the rack. I was like, well, I just want to do reviews because I think that'll that'll catch it, you know, because comic books have so many people. <laughs> we'll just yeah. all we all we have to do is talk about the latest issue of Grayson. <laughs> and that, <laughs> this is back when we started. But, you know, and we'll get everybody in. No, <laughs> right. but uh, but then it was like, oh, well, let's try this show and this show and this show. And it was like, man, we made like. I don't know, seven or eight different shows within a year um, and consistently produce them. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys have now you have several different shows and I know you talked about how you had to kind of bring some of that down. Uh, you had a, you know, a larger number you had to bring down and stuff like that. Yeah. And you, you talked about how, you know, we experience this. I think every content creator experiences this to some degree. If you mess with YouTube, like, you know, you were saying how you do one show and people are watching that show, yep. but then that hurts another show somehow. Well, um, yeah, that's how that's the that's the algorithm now. That's the math now. And what's great is it'll change, you know, like right now, YouTube people and those who have a vested interest in saying they're experts at YouTube are saying, you know, like YouTube really favors one show. You know, if you make one show, let's say you make three shows on your YouTube channel and one of them is doing pretty well, then that's the show you should be making and then get rid of those other shows. Like, and then it's like, well, what about the other two shows that are doing okay that still make me revenue? They're like, I, I don't care about that. All I focus on is that one show you're making that people are definitely watching. And if like, let's say you made three shows in a row, one, most people watch, two, some people watch. As long as those numbers are consistently like more people here, fewer people here, they'll actually push the like all of the shows like less than they would, you know, if you were just making the one show that everybody was watching, which is why we moved Uh, wild. I know. uh, And it was funny because like, you know, it's contradictory to what they used to say, where it's like, you know, it's a channel show, make all kinds of stuff. You know, you'll hit because that's the, the, the thinking we had was the mentality was make a bunch of shows. So that the channel is for everybody, you know, oh, I only like reviews. We got you covered. Oh, we only like unboxings. We got you covered. Do you, you know, I only want to know about what like this book is about. Okay. Like no problem. You know, what about movie commentaries? We do that too. Like we have all this different stuff and uh, you know, it, and, and it kind of teetered between views, but uh, no, <laughs> we noticed that just things were getting lower and lower. And I'm like, is it us? Like, are we dying? And then, you know, I get calls from my colleagues whom I won't name just to not put them on blast. But, you know, where they're like, We're, uh, everything's on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, good. It's uh, everyone's on fire. All right. And then I just like scaled back the old stuff and suddenly the, the everything bounced back. I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. damn. So, yeah, you, you 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 know, it's like you really have to be like a mathematician. Like you've got to put a board up with all these different, you know, like those memes where the people. Are yeah. Like, we're looking for pelvic or for Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. And I don't I don't know that people really understand how important it is to really just support what you like um, and to go the extra mile. You know, like, uh, for example, before I started before we started doing YouTube, 
I would never like a video. I would just watch it and call it a day. Yeah. And now that I'm on the other side, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to like this video. because <laughs> If I don't like it, I'm screwing over the content. creator. Yeah. And I, I got to st- watch the whole thing. Right. You know? Right. I still have no idea what likes do. Me neither. I just do it. Right. Uh, I, I, I think the idea is that if there's like if there's a higher percentage of views to likes, YouTube goes like, oh, this video is liked by a lot of people. And I, I'll bet more people will like it, too. And so they'll right. push it harder or mm. something. It's just super dumb. <laughs> I, I, you're not going to hear any argument from me. Well, but also we've heard that dislikes also Do don't nothing. matter. Yeah, they, it's still engagement. So, like, yeah, no, that one actually is completely useless. Like they might as well get rid of it. But uh, I, but I'm glad they do, because then how else will we know how else will what else will we use to scare the pants off of Hollywood when they release a trailer that nobody likes? Right. <laughs> and then they have yeah. to backpedal or focus like we wouldn't have gotten a good looking Sonic in the Sonic movie without all those dislikes. You're probably <laughs> you know what? We've got the comments section for that in which That's, they are. Yeah, but but the comment section is quickly disregarded by every critic. Like anybody in an executive level is like, that's the comment section. That's 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 cancer. Don't go down there. <laughs> but if there's but if but if because it's it, it costs nothing to go meh, like to 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 focus on writing a comment, you have to be a special kind of motivated. And mm. Hollywood slash executives slash everybody who makes money or focuses on the money angle, they don't care about the comment section because they're just like, oh, no, no. Those are the crazies who will actually write down those, you know, in the olden days, those people who wrote letters. Right. And it's like they, they, they did the effort to write a thing and click enter. Oh, who has time for that? But if you have time to go, no, like, <laughs> you know, you see a, you see a movie trailer just like I say the nay dislike they're like that speaks volumes like one dislike equals ten thousand dislikes like no that scares them more than anything else so they'll never get rid of the well they might get rid of the dislike button only to appease themselves to like higher media because youtube is always like oh tv please like me jimmy fallon you know like (laughs) you know i i always think that the dislike button exists just to cause anxiety (laughs) pain on the part of the like actual content creators because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't serve any other purpose as far as we are concerned. Uh, no. It's just, just, you know, devastation. Why did this one person dislike what's wrong with our content? <laughs> Was it my yeah. face this week? Mm. You know, um, you never know. And you'll, you and you never know. will. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing um, though, is if you never will, like then don't even don't like try not to bother, try not to let it bother you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. right, right yeah. Uh, we have a guy or here's the thing. It's like the dread pirate Roberts on our channel. Where like when we first started, you know, like nobody was watching. We had like 20 views and one dislike, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, somebody really has a problem with us. And it's been seven years and like within a few seconds of uploading, there's a dislike. And I don't know if it's like the most dedicated anti fan ever or if it's <laughs> like we are we have this we have this effect on people where somebody will be like. Oh, I hate these guys so much. I have to subscribe. I have to follow them on social and I have to make sure that they know that I dislike this. And I feel like there's no one that has that much hate in their heart to, to keep it going for seven years. Surprised. But new blood every so often. And that's mm. the, that's, that's the sign of a good channel. I think is that like we, we have 
new blood every so often, you know, new people come in uh, and that new guy. Cause like, here's the thing. Seven years ago, we incensed someone so badly. They needed to like follow us around and keep clicking the dislike button on every video we made. But I don't think that he or she has that much tenacity to keep it going. But I do think that there are enough people like that every generation that we keep because we always get that dislike. Yeah. And that's the mark of a good. I think that's the mark of a, of a healthy channel. <laughs> you ever you ever watch uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, season one used to start with to every generation, a slayer is born. Yes. <laughs> to yes. Every to every generation, a disliker is a born. disliker is born. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're if you're out there, if you're still like, that's, I think, a good sign that we're still out there. You know, we're still reaching new people because there are people who just, you know, I've never heard of you. And I'm like, good. Welcome back. Welcome to the show. And I'm like, and I hate you. No, it's great. Well, you haven't made it until, you know, you have haters, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Uh, a lot of our audience, you know, they're not YouTubers, so they're probably like, what like, the hell are these guys? I don't care about, about any of the match. Uh, yeah. Talk about comic books. We're going to do that. We're, yeah. we're definitely going to talk about comic books, but I want to do it from the lens of your show. Okay. Uh, and what you guys have been interested in. So first of all, uh, you've been reviewing like we have all the X stuff. Yes. Uh, and you guys started it. You, you did the, the Hox Pox um, back issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that was awesome. Thank uh, you. You did the, the Ten of Swords. Uh, you recently did the uh, X Factor yeah. uh, review, which, of course, spoilers, but it, it's leading directly into the Trial of Magneto. Right. So how have you been? I mean, I know how you've been feeling based on the reviews, but like just discuss it anyways. How have you mm -hmm. been feeling about what Marvel has been doing with the X-Men since Jonathan Hickman joined the team. I mean, I think it's been a, a, an unmitigated success. I think that uh, Hickman's influence on the X-Men is um, exactly what the franchise needed, you know, um, because there was a weird time, you know, when Marvel didn't regard the X-Men, but knew that they made the money. So they had to put them out there, but they had to rock the walk, this tightrope of like, make sure that whatever you do, you can do whatever you want as long as it isn't really successful. Yeah. You know, like just make some money, but don't make it a runaway success. Like don't blow people's minds. Don't change then anything or change everything and, and alienate the audience, whatever. Like, but, but don't, you know, don't blow it up. Uh, and as a result, you got like a lot of really weird runs for the X-Men, but nothing, nothing so weird that it's like the nineties anymore. It's not like, I don't think there's anything that came from the X-Men franchise. that's anything like, maggot or bastion yeah. x-man like there's nothing that innovative or creatively bankrupt but like uh right now it's like it's a concentrated initiative but it's doing this amazing thing where like you feel when you're reading x-men that you're part of something not just a community of fans who like x-men but you also feel like you're part of like an inside track for some big thing that you know is coming and even though they haven't really teased anything until Inferno, the things that have come up about are still kind of big, you know, yeah. Hellfire Gala. People were like, what is this? And listen, I think they really mishandled Hellfire Gala in terms of like, what issue is what? Like, how are you going to collect this thing? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still new. It's still something you haven't really seen from X-Men at all or 
big two comics, honestly. Uh, Ten of Swords, same deal. It's like, wow, this is kind of big and cool. And it's over there. Like, it's not even, Moira's not even in the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? And it's still huge. That's amazing. And, uh, and, and then there's all the other titles that are, like, that are swept up in it. And so there's a title for you. Like, if you like, if you have ever liked X-Men, there's a book for you. And that's like, mm. that, that's so hard to do, especially because Hickman's not writing most of them. You know, he used to write a couple of them, mm-hmm. but now he's not writing, like, I think, any of them. He's not. Yeah, he's not writing any. And it's like, well, what the hell are you doing? And it's great because it means that the creatives that work there, like there's this trust and there's this collaborations working so that like they can do what they want because nobody wants to write a book under a banner that says another writer is going to tell you what to do or where it's going to go. And people like Teeny Howard and uh, Jerry Duggan, like they're big enough names where they're like, I don't want to have to be told what to do by Hickman. You know, they're going to want to tell their stories and, but they, but they still seem to be able to tell their stories and yet make it work within an existing, an existing framework. So like right. X-Men's been, X-Men's been like innovative. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it absolutely has. Um, and it's been super exciting to watch that whole thing unfold. Um, you guys, also accurately called the Scarlet Witch uh, death. Yeah. I mean, you know, why would he call her? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but maybe not like we haven't read. I don't think there's any issue of Trial Magneto out yet. Right. So like we don't know anything like, you know, we know the setup for Inferno. Trial of Magneto seems to come out of nowhere. Uh, I I don't think it's anybody that I've been like really on the radar for re- with regard, like who's writing. And I think it might be Inferno. who's writing. Yeah. No, uh, trial of Magneto. Oh, uh, so it's actually, uh, Leah Williams is going to yes. be writing it. That's and it. Then, that's um, it. I like Leah Williams, but I don't like, that doesn't like Leah Williams writing trial. Of Magneto. And I'm not like, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. I guess that'll be cool. And it's like, it's cool. Only really for me, like in practice where it's like, wow, like before Inferno, there's going to be this thing. Like, that's cool. Mm. Um, but because it's leading into Inferno and because of the the prelude with Mystique, you know, it's Mystique. Did Mystique impersonate Magneto, call Wanda over and murder her? Did Magneto, call, yeah. right? Like, 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 yes. Right. Well, <laughs> or, or because there, it would have been so easy at the, at the top of the X-Men uh, launch to reintegrate Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch into the mutants. Yep. But they didn't. And instead they went in the other direction where they're like, no, never forget house of X or house of M. (laughs) And uh, now it's like, well, did Magneto lure Scarlet Witch there under false pretenses, but actually he murdered her to prove that she is a mutant and she'll be resurrected. Yep. Like, yep. so there's there's these two pretty solid camps and I'm OK with both of them. Yeah. And that's kind of exciting, too. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. It's been a lot of fun. And I, I haven't had the feeling about like. This feels like Civil War era Marvel mm-hmm. where, you know, you were sitting on the message boards like, you know, oh, my God, Iron Man's a piece of shit or, oh, my God, Captain <laughs> America's a, a man, baby. He doesn't understand real America you know right. um this feels like that like yeah you know, there's but what's so interesting too is that there's this other camp entirely that's like you know what 
I don't care about any of this. I don't right. like Jonathan Hickman's vision for the X-Men. Yeah. I don't like, you know, XYZ writer, artist, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just not into it. Um, and that's been interesting to follow as well. The people were just like, this is not the X-Men to me. Right. Oh, no. And I, and I get it. Like, I get the criticism about like whether, you know, about how this doesn't feel like X-Men. But you know what? You weren't reading X-Men before this anyway. And uh, <laughs> that's true. And, and, and furthermore, you'll read the big event and you'll love it. Like, you know what I mean? Like when Age of Apocalypse comes about, I'm calling it Age of Apocalypse. I feel like if Hickman called the last one Secret Wars, Apocalypse will be the big bad of the next event. And he's going to call it Age of Apocalypse because what is the event of X-Men that everybody wants to talk? Like everybody has an opinion about Age of Apocalypse. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could talk about Mutant Massacre or the Executioner song or whatever, but like nothing gets people excited, like referring to that. So Dark you know, Phoenix but, saga. Yeah. Yeah. But Hickman hasn't had any access to the Phoenix at all. There's been no Phoenix. Yeah. And in fact, there's been all Phoenix in the Avengers run, which Avengers, I think, yeah. which for those who are like X-Men, that's me in Avengers where I'm like, yeah, Phoenix, Ghost Riders, Eternal, get out of here. Call me when Bendis comes back and writes new Avengers, because apparently that's the only thing it'll take <laughs> to get me to read Avengers. That's a good I'm glad you said that, because I also wanted to ask you, what is your everyone has their like golden age of yeah. Of, comics reading for me it's definitely that 2004 five ish ultimate spider-man new avenger civil war that's my comics yeah what is it for you uh probably the same um you know i have i've been reading comics for a very long time and i i i like you know now you know like a lot like decades removed from things like nightfall death of superman stuff like that like i have kind of like this cheeky affinity for it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know we're like i'll put up an asriel batman poster in my studio and kind of just be like <laughs> but there's you know but i'm not gonna reread it or if i do reread yeah. it i'm like this is pretty rough um and then there's stuff that i missed because i quit because they did too much stuff like that you know like i i did not read no man's land because by the time it came out, I was already off the Batman train. Yeah. So I reread it. Like I literally reread all of it the other day. And I was like, this is this. This has some pretty awesome moments. And then it kind of goes off the rails. But it's still like the, the lead up and everything. I'm like, this is pretty amazing. So like there's there's a lot of innovation that came during like my time that I like really appreciate. Um, I still kind of miss the episodic Spider-Man of anything back then. But nothing was getting me reading regularly, like regularly and unabashedly like Bendis's new Avengers, Straczynski, Spider-Man, Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man, like that stuff. And the snowball of what Bendis was doing with new Avengers. Now it dovetailed directly into every event he wrote for the next like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So smart. And it feels like X-Men like where it's, I'm, I'm setting up the breadcrumbs. I'm building stuff up. I'm referring to it later. And then I'll bring, I'll, you know, boom, big new event that has everything to do with that thing that you were reading about earlier. Um, so this is the closest thing. I haven't seen anything like what they did in the early two thousands uh, again in a long time. Like hell, you know, that moon Knight run by Charlie Houston 
was around that time. And it was friggin' amazing and crazy, mm. <laughs> like just a nutso run. It was one of those things where I'm like, Moon Knight is a joke. And then I read that book and I'm like, oh, the joke's on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We, we talk about this on the show a lot. The the interconnectedness of comics at the big two and whether or not that is alienating to newer readers to what degree and whether or not that's a problem. Right. And uh, for me, and I, I definitely want to get your answer as well. I jumped into comics around that 2004 time and I started with like, I don't know, ultimate Spider-Man, like number 72 or some, uh-huh. something like that. Right. Um, and I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I was like, okay, this is cool. This is Spider-Man. I remember human torch was in that issue. You know, it was just like awesome. And then new yeah. Avengers came around. I didn't know anything, but you know, I was just like, I'm here for it. And here right. I am all these years later, huge comic book fan. Uh, whereas a lot of people, especially nowadays. Uh, and I think the, the, the conversation about burnout really yeah. ramped up around, um, I want to say like secret invasion ish time where people were like, Oh, there's too many events. Um, Mm. And nowadays I don't think that the Marvel universe looks outside of the X-Men looks anything like that. No. Um, What is your feeling about, you know, the interconnectedness of these universes? Is that something that we need more of less of? Uh, I've never had a problem with a shared universe. I like them, you know, like, I uh, I like Kevin Smith movies, or at least I, I I have liked a lot of Kevin Smith movies. And, you know, as a kid, I was shown, you know, like Clerks. And I'm like, this is like, wow, you know, blew my mind, changed my world. I'll get to comics in a second. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I saw Clerks and I'm talking about it. I'm obsessed with it. And I'm just such a fan. And uh, and I'm a kid and an upperclassman is like, oh, well, if you like Clerks, you know, it's set in the same universe as, you know, uh, mall rats, you know, or maybe I watched mall rats. I think I saw mall rats. Cause someone's like, Oh, well you'll like mall rats. And I saw it in Jay and Bob show back up. And the second I found out that it was an interconnected universe, my interest was doubled as a result. And I had to go find chasing Amy. And then when dogma comes out, I have to go watch dogma. Jay and Bob strike back as a thank you for doing all that. And it also introduced me to things I normally probably wouldn't have sought out. Like the, the poster for chasing Amy looks like 27 dresses. It looks like sliding doors. It looks like every rom-com it looks like you've got mail. It looks like garbage. Ben Affleck is the lead and it's a, it's the back of a male extra. Like it's a, it's a horrible poster that is clearly trying to catch the rom-com thing. That movie ain't a rom-com. And it's also a movie I never would have seen if I hadn't known that it was part of the viewisk universe, the interconnected universe, the shared universe is something that I love. I love the possibility of characters crossing over to the point where like, I like Marvel DC crossovers because that's a fun idea. Yeah. And so the interconnected universe concept is not something that I find to be problematic, broken, or an issue. It's, it's, it's always ever about the story. It's always about, ever about, about like the, the intent and the story. You know, if your intent is to make money first, it doesn't matter what you're getting. You know, like I love crossovers, but like there hasn't been a good Batman Daredevil crossover, and there are two of them. And they're both written clearly because they were told to write a Batman Devil crossover, not like Bendis's secret Batman Devil crossover that he has in a drawer that we'll never see. 
Like, oh, wow, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, Zadarsky wants to do one too. And he has one like in his head. He probably wrote it and we'll never see them. And it's like, which one deserves to exist? The one that was written for money or the one that was written because they had a story. Um, but when it comes to the interconnected, like shared universe concept, you know, like, no, it's never been a problem. The problem is, you know, you know, the entry point for some folks, you know, some folks just can't wrap their head around it or some folks just would rather have the, you know, the, the titular character do their thing and, and move on and not have it be like a problem. When we do a, we did an episode of uh, back issues just the other day and it was about Batman and it's a Batman story set in the eighties because it was written then. And uh, basically Ethan, my one of my co-hosts is like, there's no way Superman wouldn't have gotten involved in this. And I'm like, you are, you are thinking about this too directly. Like you, you need to let that go. Like, it's not like when you're reading Batman, you don't think where the hell Superman, right? right? Because you're reading Batman. You are surprised and delighted when Superman shows up, but you're not expecting him to show up and solve all of Batman's problems. Um, if you have created a universe where that is the expectation, maybe you've gone off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that modern comics today are so interconnected that like you would expect them, but you know, that's about story. It's all about story. It's just about writing. You know, like if your if your story is well crafted enough and it's like engaging enough, you don't think about where the hell Superman is. You know, his appearance is still a surprise. You know, the the interconnectivity of the universe is still a novelty when you are engaged in a story. You know, like I remember seeing Spider Man two thousand two in the theater for the first time, mm-hmm. and I'm with a whole bunch of comic book nerds, and we're watching this movie. And Spider-Man is stuck uh, holding the, the children and whatever. He's doing the thing. He's suspended. And Green Goblin's going to get him. And then this red thing comes out of nowhere and hits him in the head. And I swear, at least three of us thought Daredevil showed up. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, <gasps> yeah. and then it turned out to be New York personified. New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> Hilarious. I mean, listen, it was right after 9-11. I get it. We were all kind of hurting. Uh, that, that, that moment, I was, not in the, I was not in New Jersey when I saw that, and people still cheered. Oh, yeah. I mean, that it's was like, all right. That yeah. was, uh, as Pete always loves to say, uh, that was a watershed moment yes. for the country post 9-11. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so funny because I, I, people say to even today when they watch some of these comic book movies, like, oh, well, where's Thor? You know, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, Thor is going to come and come to New York when Spider-Man's fighting the vulture. Right. You know, and be like, okay, let me just smack him with my hammer one time. Yeah. And you can go back to bed, kid. Right. That's not the spirit of this stuff. Thor's never Um, even met Spider-Man. Is that? Yeah. In those movies. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's like, but it it, it bears like your your point is not is no less valid. It makes exact sense. Like, yeah, like it's about Spider-Man or it's about Thor or it's about Mm. Captain America. It's not about that. You know? Yeah. Do you think that? that expectation and that sort of thought process is sort of a symptom of the sort of um, realism that comics and comics movies have sort of tried to dig into here in the past couple of decades. I guess so. I mean, like, 
the problem, I mean, a, a big problem is just, you know, people's expectations of things to be real while also mm. forgiving things that are totally not, you know, like, oh, it's not realistic when this happens. I'm like, well, he was bitten by a radioactive spider and he has spider. <laughs> <laughs> like, please explain the complicated ability. Like, pl- explain how he's able to stick through his pants, like how he can, sp- how he can stick through his shoes. Like, right. are they little fibers? Like, are they little legs? You know, I don't care. I don't, I'm not asking for that. You know, I'm not here for that. But I, I'm here for to suspend disbelief and to be engaged. You know, um, I think that, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about uh, I was just showing somebody Dark Knight Returns for the first time. He'd never even heard of it. And he's in his 30s. Uh, but like the concept of Dark Knight Returns is the concept of like the gritty, real character. Um, when it becomes ubiquitous with the culture, you have to take a step back, right? Because like then your audience's expectations are changed. You know, right. like you need a reality where Batman is doing the Batusi on TV. He's with Robin doing, you know, fighting the penguin in the comics. He's on he's on the silver screen in a suit he can't move his neck in. You know, and then <laughs> you get Dark Knight Returns and you're like, oh, my God, like this is nothing like what I've seen. But if it's the only thing you've seen, you know, like I, I remember being so annoyed when Jim Lee, like refused to stop drawing Batman in the regular monthly book as just Dark Knight Returns. Batman. It's like the same color suit, no emblem, you know, all the same attitude, you know, it's just like dude you need contrast or it's just all dark knight returns it's all the gritty real miserable stuff yeah. and by the way dkr is not real but like people go like well it's it's miserable you know it's miserable and gritty like real life you know it's like <laughs> oh you got me dude. there <laughs> right it's like dude <laughs> like first of all go outside <laughs> like be happy <laughs> you know find some joy but uh realism has certainly <clears throat> uh, it, it, it's to blame, <laughs> you know, expectation of realism is to blame for a lot of like problems in the industry uh, or in comics and comic enjoyment. But uh, yeah. I don't Speaking know. of comic enjoyment, uh, another thing that comes up for us a lot is uh, the state of the industry as it relates to kind of like, especially with the big two. Uh, and I, I feel like, um, this is a point at which, at least for me personally, I've never, outside of the X-Men, been less interested in what is happening at Marvel and DC. Mm. Um, and I, I try to have some perspective on that. Like, okay, I'm not 15 years old. I'm not, you know, like, I'm, you know, I've seen a lot more things now than I had then. So, sure. and I also kind of know how the sauce is made. It's not, it's, it's not as exciting. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, if you ask me, are they telling stories that are as good now as they were then? I would say no. Mm. And I'm just talking about the big two. I'm not talking about all of comics. I think right. in other spaces, comics are better than, than ever. Right. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like comics stories from the big two are as engaging as penetrative uh as they've ever been or do you feel like we're kind of on a downswing right now where are you at with that 
I I, uh, I hesitate to suggest that uh, comics today are not are, are no are not better than they were 25, 30 years ago. I think that uh, I think that's comparing apples and oranges because like the world is different. The industry is different. The readership is different. The competition is different. But that being said, the comics that are good are better than they've been. And the comics that are not are still better than the worst. You know what I mean? Like Marvel in the nineties was churning out Marvel and DC were churning out a lot of garbage in the nineties, but vertigo existed, but Alex Ross was doing Marvels with Busick. Right. Well, you know what I mean? But our examples of the best stuff from the nineties are Sandman and kingdom come Marvels. You could count on probably two hands, the most innovative and, and incredible big two comics. But how many great books every year do the big two produce where you're like, did you know about this? You know what I mean? Like just from black label alone, you know, whether you like Batman damned or not, you have to agree that the book is it's, it's trying something and it's, and it's creating, it's producing art. And it started an international conversation about art and a bunch of people making a lot of dick jokes. Yes. But you got that that. going on. You've got uh, Daniel Warren Johnson showing up and setting the industry on fire. You've got Strange Adventures. You've got uh, Zdarsky's Daredevil, which just like, oh, it's just like I remember Daredevil should be. And Daredevil has never been bad. You know, like mm. it, it has been bad, but like consistently speaking, like Charles Soule's runs, not bad. Mark Wade's runs, not bad. You know, like it, 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 it might not be your cup of tea, but you can't be like, oh, it's 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 terrible. You know what I mean? Right. Like hell, even Valiant's making great books. <laughs> <laughs> even Valiant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, I was just saying, like when I was growing up, Valiant was like, oh, I'm not reading that, you know, right. but Shadow Man is a dope ass book and it looks good, you know, and it's like. Oh, you know, everybody is firing on all cylinders. Boom Studios was a licensed property. It it was like an IDW. And then all of a sudden they come out with something's killing the children and once in future. And we only find them when they're dead. Oh, not to mention over on DC when they're making black label books like The Nice House on the Lake, like indie comics are blowing the doors off and they're doing it in a way where when we were reading comics or when we were regularly reading comics and the industry was doing pretty well for Marvel and DC, they were like, Oh, we'll go. It's just like the Hollywood formula. The Hollywood formula was, well, we'll give, you know, our, our, our stable of directors, a a script and they'll make the same thing they've been making for 20 years. And people wonder why like attendance was down. But then what they did was they went to Sundance and they grabbed all these indie filmmakers. And first of all, they bought their movie they put it out, blew people's minds and then forced those young independent directors to make big $200 million blockbuster movies. <laughs> Comic books did the exact same thing. They were like, yeah. no one's buying Thor. Uh, let's just go get somebody from over there, you know, or nobody's buying Spider-Man. Let's get somebody from over there. So they go to the independent scene and they grab all these independent creators and they throw them at big creators or big, big names, you know, character names. And then suddenly you get innovative new ideas. It's not it, like, and it's, that's why I always uh, argue with people who are like, you know, this character sucks. And I'm like, listen, there's some characters who suck. Like 
like you know like gunfire whose ability is to make anything that he touches into a gun Who, yeah what that, what that, that, where's this character from Who is he's this? a dc character he had his own series yeah, of course he is a uh, dc but, ass character <laughs> right but like yeah he sucks but at the very least tom king could make him sad and kill him on like in, in a big splash page um but there are no you know there are for me there's no there's no bad characters there's yeah. only like lazier writers people mm. who are like well i can't do anything with that character really you can't well then give it to somebody who will mm. because there's somebody who's desperate to tell their story or make their mark and they will take that character and do something new and innovative and i've seen that so many times and like between the like mid 90s and the early 2000s i don't have a lot of, I, I, I there are examples but i don't have like an example every year of innovative creative people who are doing books that are like moving people to tears you know just mm. just randomly like like uh look at the green arrow 80th anniversary book and the denny o'neill story like just oh and that's in a green arrow cash grab well uh we can charge 10 bucks for that we don't know we don't care that he turned 80 but we do care about charging 11 dollars for a comic book and so here you go and and yet and yet it ends up being great you know I hated Tom King's run, but the dudes moved me to tears. He wrote one of the best Superman stories in years in with up in the sky. Bendis, uh, you know, brings me in through ultimate Spider-Man blows my mind with that character character that I love and know everything about shows me some new stuff. Then goes to DC underwhelms me across the board. That makes Batman universe. I'm back in like the, these, it, these are innovative and terrific times. And there's never been a better time for creators to come in and, and, and make their mark. I think comics are as good, if not better than they've ever been. And it's just statistically speaking, you know, did I, do I still feel the same level of wonder, you know, th- that I did when I was a kid sometimes, which is kind of remarkable because most folk don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm. people ask me if I burn out. Cause I, we, when we do our reviews, you know, I'm harsh. Or mm-hmm. I'm or I'm flippant and people are like, oh, this guy's burned out. And I'm like, no. And I know I'm not because I still read comics and I'm still surprised, you know, like I'm not right every time I do a prediction. And I'm thrilled by that because it means that the comic book industry isn't stale. It, like it means that I can still be surprised and these creators can still like do something awesome with characters that are that were old when I started reading <laughs> <laughs> I, I you know what i mean like i've never seen a book like strange adventures before and it's amazing like wonder woman dead earth oh. what just Danny just, warren johnson Danny warren johnson right thank you mark <laughs> absolutely yeah um no that's a that's a, a, a brilliant answer and i think you're oh, right you. uh in the sense that um you know for me uh there was a time where it felt like every book I picked up, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. This is so, um, but that has to be, that has to be looked at and juxtaposed with the fact that I'm 30 now, you know, like it's not the same. It's, it's, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Spider-Man died. I'm shocked. Right. Unbelievable. Right. Right. No, that's, that's not very interesting. If you tell me Spider-Man dies or he gets a new costume, uh, uh, yeah, get in line. I've never, uh, you know, you're never going to get me by telling me that, right? You know, but if you tell me that, like Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Leeson are going to do the death of Spider-Man, oh, picking that up, mm. 
right? Yeah. Because I know yeah. they have something to say. So uh, we're, we're running out of time. Right. But I want to ask you some really quick questions. I'll try to just, keep it. Just, I'll try to keep it brief. I know I, I, I tend just, to. I'm going to just fire off. All right. Uh, sweet. All right. So physical or digital? I, I regularly buy, buy digital, but I like buying physical, too. Yes. <laughs> hmm. oh, oh, Excellent. On, I do. I'm sorry. I like, oh, month to month, can't win. Month to month, I do buy digital, but sometimes I'm like, I must have this. Yeah. You know, like, I, feels here's nice. the thing. I don't buy black label books in digital because I have to okay. own it because it's yes. usually like okay. if it's an oversized or if it's yeah. double page or if it's something like that, you know, like like or if I started buying it when it was physical. I don't switch over, you know, like strange adventures. I'm buying physical because I started that way. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like Zdorsky's daredevil, for example, uh, I read that digitally and then I went, I need to get number one before this is gone. Like, so I had to go out and buy it, you know, so I'll, I'll do that. But it's, it's, it's really selective. I, I, you know, I thought I had an ally in this battle. <laughs> Sorry. Like this war every week. Why? What do you, what do you, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your pleasure? 100% physical and I wow. saw that massive uh, bookshelf behind you I'm like okay Sal's my guy yes You're- well these are these are trades you know but I do yeah, have an insane yeah. library of floppies that like are I'm literally in the process of integrating probably 300 new books into 28 long boxes and I'm just like uh, and they're all alphabetized because I'm a lunatic and I'm literally going to a comic book sale when we're done with this. There's a dollar sale at my local comic book store and I have to go to it. And uh, I'm probably going to buy like a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and that, so All that's right. physical. So trust me, like I offset, you know, I'm not, I'm like the, the, the physical industry is not dying because of me. <laughs> okay. All right. yes. keep, keep it alive. Thank you very much. I'm glad for that. Uh, Marvel or DC. Wow. Um, I think I'm regularly buying more DC right now. Nice. Hmm. Okay. That, that's okay. not an answer, but I will say I'm probably I'm buying more DC than I am buying Marvel right now. I'm pretty confident that the answer for you shifts and waxes and wanes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like all the rest of us, unless there are those people who are just like, I will always be a DC or I will always yes. be a Marvel, but there are I those of us. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 too close to a like dogmatic belief system, which I, I yeah. am I am vehemently against. No, 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 no. Like it's like it's like when in, in dogma, you know, or it's like I don't do you have, do you believe? No, but I have a good idea. You know, you, <laughs> ideas can be changed, but people die for beliefs. No, 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 no. Uh, image or boom? Boom is crushing image right now. Mm. Big statement. Okay, all right. Name three books that are that are doing better or or more critically acclaimed right now that image is putting out that beat killing the children. We only find them where they're dead and once in future. Well, in power Rangers, obviously. Oh, naturally. Yes. in power Rangers, of course. Although, you know, shattered, shattered grid really, it never got better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not um, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Can't do it. Right. Like, and by the way, that should be a kick in the pants for image. Like image should be like, we shouldn't be being beaten by boom studios. Yeah. yeah. At our own game. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. Uh, Batman or Superman? Superman. Ooh, no, like that. What, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have said Batman. Yeah, what? 
The older I get, the more the more I the more I uh, it's easy to love Batman. Batman makes it easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And he means everything to everybody. But uh, the older you get, the more I need Superman. Pro registration or anti? (laughs) In the real world, pro registration. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because are you kidding me? Let's go. That's my That's same cool. answer. After there right. is no cap. There, Steve Rogers isn't real. <laughs> if he were real and he came to my house and he made me feel bad, I'd be I'd be anti-registration. But I know there isn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, Avengers or Justice League? Avengers. Yes. Oh, All that's right. that's insane. How dare you? What? Not not the current Avengers, but. Not the current Justice League either. That book is ugh. rough. Got me there. Rough yeah. stuff. I would rather read about the Avengers than I would read about the Justice League. Oof. And uh, last question as it relates to comic pop, your favorite interview that you guys have done. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many we've done that I'm so proud of. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 if I had a list, maybe I could like probably whittle it down, but there are so many that I, that I, that are incredible. He hasn't had us on yet. Yeah, that's true. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. The, the Uh, fabled Alan Moore interview. No, (laughs) (laughs) Chip Zdarsky. Chip Zdarsky is amazing. He's so fun. Tom King's Uh, great. Scott Snyder's amazing. Uh, We had a Garth Ennis on. That one was one of my hardest. Yeah. 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 We had a Garth Ennis and he was, yeah, he was fun. Yeah, he's fun. He's he's tough. That he, he did not yeah. want to do that show. <laughs> no, I don't think he wanted to do ours especially either. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we, we we opened the show. I don't mind talking about this because he's never going to see it or care. Yeah, but uh, you know, he was like, um, not that he wouldn't watch the channel, but you know, just he doesn't. Uh, he, he it's not like Garth's <laughs> like, oh, what are my favorite YouTube channels? I'm going to check them out. Uh, but I was like, oh, Garth, by the way, this is going to be more conversational. I really don't want to turn this into an interview. Like I, you've done a million interviews. Like I just want to kind of like whatever, wherever, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to go, you know, just, just take it. Cause yeah, yeah, right. Right. I got it. I got it. And I'm like, okay, Garth Ennis. Like, and I asked him a question. He was like, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. We're going to do it like this. <laughs> All right. Teeth, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hit man. Yeah. He was fun. <laughs> would you ever do anything oh. with tommy honigan again sure can i can i tell our experience yeah, Sean? Yeah, please yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. we were specifically told that he did not want to talk about anything other than his upcoming war comics right and you know we we're like okay cool great um no problem yeah and um so sean <laughs> sean starts off by listing sort of you know the the accomplishments of the boys and and the other stuff that he's done yeah and, yeah, and, yeah and he says you know how how does that feel and i not only did i watch garth tense up my butthole clenched <laughs> i was like we had one job we right one not rule. to mention those things <laughs> look ennis has to know yeah, yeah right we're gonna at least mention your like people need to get the context i don't know I mean, yeah, he stayed right. He didn't like yeah, go right. Whip, whoom, no, over. like it was a great interview, but yeah. it's like, yeah, I got to I got to mention the boys with you, you, <laughs> like it's the, it's the boys. Like, you know, this yeah. is a, an extremely popular show. Like I, I just I have to literally it, it's it's literally buying your it, it bought your house, Garth. Give it, but, you know, <laughs> sm- listen, you know, smile listen. and and get over. It. We had to read. We had to read those war comics 
Oh yeah. To be able to talk to you. You're going to, you're going to let me mention the boys. Real quick, right. Okay? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, those, uh, those, the, the Sarah was amazing. Sarah's great. Sarah's excellent. I like the tankies. I don't know about you guys. I like, I had fun. It was cool. No, I'm not, I'm, it's, I'm not, I didn't say that to denigrate. The yeah, 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 I'm yeah, just yeah. saying like, you know, I would like to talk about the boys. Right. Exactly. For a, exactly. For a second. Right. Yeah. Just for a minute, man. Come on. Like, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I, I literally didn't, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned preacher outside of just being like, you know, like I, I alluded, like I referenced it in context of something else, but I right. really want to talk about like preacher. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, but yeah, so, but there's a lot of, I've talked to so many different creators. Uh, Josh Williamson is amazing. I mean, like, it's more just like, I like these guys now. Like they're cool, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like they're just, they're just fun to, to, to talk to. Um, D Mateus has been on twice and he's amazing too. Um, God, I know I'm leaving somebody out. Oh, Todd McFarlane came on twice. That's incredible. Whoa. Which, you know, for a, you know, for a kid who read the, at least the first hundred issues of Spawn and bought physical, uh, you know, that was a dream come true. Uh, that was what uh, Bendis was on the show. That oh. was amazing too. getting Bendis on the show and getting to talk to him. Cool. I am trying to interview Bendis for like seven years. I, yeah. I have one creator that I absolutely will not talk to. And that's yeah. Grant Morrison. I can't do it. I know just, that if I ever approach Grant Morrison, you cry and not even cry. I just like, I'll lock up. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll fall stone and I'll like he I lived in Glasgow for a minute and oh. um, I had the chance to get Flex Natalo signed. Nice. I gave it to a friend and I said, I have an errand to do. I'm going to go. Uh, do you wouldn't this. go and meet them. I'm going to go do this errand. You have to take this and get it signed. I cannot do it. Oh, I have met- to. You met him? Met I them? met I met Grant. Now you can't see it, but I actually have a shrine to Grant Morrison off on the side. Nice. I am in the in the le- in the least you know nuts way possible. I'm obsessed with Grant Morrison. That's and <laughs> work. Mm-hmm. Batman, his, uh, their Batman is what it, it's it's what lit my fire for comics. There you go. Uh, more than anything that I had read prior. Everything else was cool, but that was like, oh my god, this is something special. Yeah. This is this is a part of my life. So when we when uh, Phil and I met them, I cried. I told them, you know, you 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 can't possibly understand what your books did for me, and it's such a special thing. And uh, Grant said, you know, I do actually know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because when I create, I create with that in mind. He, uh, they said, you know, there is this this interconnectedness. Uh, almost like a hive mind of fans and of people who are passionate about this. And I'm writing towards that. And when I heard that, I lost it. I just couldn't believe like that was exactly what I needed to hear. (laughs) Uh, And it was just such an amazing moment. And I, I love that you brought up how, you know, cool these creators are because across the board, with like very, very, very few exceptions, every experience that I have had yeah. has been way positive, yeah. and inspiring and cool. And that's the best thing about comics Amen. is that despite the fact that on Twitter, it feels like every other day we're reading about someone who's a jerk. The wide, large majority of these creators are great, special yes. people who want nothing more than to tell their stories. And we want nothing more than to read them. That's right. It's beautiful. That's right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Hell, I met uh, Frank Frank Miller and he is awesome. That's like, cool. Super cool. friendly, super kind, you know, 
I, I mean, not that you wouldn't expect it, but you know, like everybody, they're all amazing. It's just, yeah, it's been very rare and very seldom that like anybody's even rude. And it's, and even then like the rudeness is like, as opposed to like, you know, getting mad, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, off air, I could tell you some stories, but uh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I, before we, before we let you go, I want to give you the opportunity every single week here, we do pals pulls, which is a segment where <laughs> we, <laughs> we try. Uh, it's a nice. segment where we talk about the books that are coming out this week that we are excited about. And you guys, do your recommendations at the end of your reviews. So yes, I wanted do. to give you the opportunity to bring a little flavor of that over here and do pals pulls with us. Uh, so I'll let you do yours and then we'll let you off the hook. Thank you. Uh, so you chose uh, strange adventures. Number 11, obviously. I mean, I cited it a lot. It was in front of me the whole time. So I was using that as an example, but yes, strange adventures, number 11, the penultimate issue of strange adventures, the series uh, of course, from Tom King, Mitch Jarrods, and Evan Shaner. This book is just so great. And we're almost done. And when it's done, it's, you know, hardcovers, softbacks, like, posters, you know, movie deals. It's going to be, you know, people are going to read this and, and it's just going to blow their mind. It's the Manchurian Candidate in comic book form. I wouldn't recommend mm. reading it now. Like I, if I were, if you were going to go get it, I wouldn't read this first. You know, I'd buy strange Avengers number 11 and then go back and buy one through 10 and then read it all at once. And then you can feel what I feel yeah. when I wait every effing two months for the next issue. <laughs> yep. Every two months. Yeah. 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 Uh, you also chose as I did uh beta Ray bill number five. Ooh. Go. It's over. This is the last one. Mm -hmm. The finale from Danny Warren Johnson and colorist Mike Spicer. Uh, this daring duo has been telling my favorite horse Thor story of all time. The only downside to the series is that it is not an oversized. Uh, having read oh. and enjoyed Wonder Woman Dead Earth and getting the big book, uh, Beta Rail Bill deserves a big book. And Marvel's not beyond doing it because Marvel did uh, that Loki series that I love uh, from Rod Rohde. Um, and Assad Ribic, they yeah. reprinted it in this big, beautiful, oversized hardcover. Beta Ray Bell, you know what to do, Marvel. You make this big because that's what this book is. It's that the best thing I can say about Beta Ray Bill is it's big and it's over. <laughs> so, you know, I hope they don't ruin it by making it into an ongoing. Just have D Dubs yeah. come in when he has a dope ass story to tell, give him five issues or six, and let him go nuts. Yep. Completely agreed. Uh, and then last, but absolutely not least, uh, Daredevil 32. Yeah. Chip Zdarsky, this might be, I said that's the last episode uh, that we reviewed it or talked about it. Mike Hawthorne, I think he's leaving the book on this issue. And uh, so this is the last time Mike Hawthorne will be drawing it. Um, I don't know who they're bringing in for the next one. Uh, obviously, Marco Cicchetto was the one who like put this book on the map. His covers are second to none. His interiors equally so. Mm-hmm. But I feel that if Chichetto had never done it, <laughs> Gesundheit, Bless you. Bless you. Uh, I feel like if uh, Chichetto had never been on the book, it would still be hailed as a critical success and it would still be beloved because Hawthorne's work is good. Like Hawthorne does good work. Um, so, but yeah, this is the, yeah, this is just a great series and I love it. It's not even like anything major or epic or crazy is happening. It's just like, it's just, it's just more the same for poor Daredevil. Although <laughs> the setup from the last issue of what, the status quo for Bullseye. Can't wait to see Electra and Dare uh, Electra Daredevil and Bullseye 
fight. Man, awesome. Electric Daredevil is one of the most unique concepts for Daredevil yeah. in years. It feels so fresh to me. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, no duh. You know, yeah, like right? Yeah. I, I I can't believe I, I when it happened for me, it was such a like easy, smooth transition. I was like, right. Like, and I didn't even think to get it in physical because I bought it digitally and you know, I had the first issue. I'm good. But uh and then it blew the hell up and everybody was yeah. buying it up. They're like, yes. And I'm like, well, is this, this is innovative. I mean, I feel like it just kind of like the natural progression of the story, but like, okay. Um, so yeah, no, it's thrilling. And the suit, you know, just looks so great. Good. Just I like, love the baton pass of pain that writers do with daredevil where they're yeah. just like, okay, what's the worst thing we can do short of kill him, which right. That has happened too, uh, and then leave him there for the next person. Yes. It's I love it. It's beautiful. And I can't wait to see where Chip leaves this character um, and all yeah. the characters that he's been playing with over the course of these 32 issues, because it has been brilliant. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the best things that I think is coming out of either Marvel or DC. Agreed. Yeah, it's and what's great is it's not selling great. And I say that because, like, it's probably around like 30,000 mm-hmm. copies, which mm-hmm. is not enough to cancel it. But not enough for Marvel to mess it up. <laughs> Interesting. It's sold. No, yeah. No uh, King and Black crossovers or anything. No. Well, <laughs> it, it had that. No, no, no. It was not. The thing it was, it didn't sell well enough to be immune from the King and Black crossovers. But we got those, and it still is cool. Hmm. Um, but no, if this if this pulled Immortal Hulk numbers, Marvel would be like, okay, well, let's see what we're doing. He like, no, right? No, 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 no. Just stay where you are. Deep, because here's the thing: all those the 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 creative team on Daredevil, all they want to do is keep making more Daredevil. Yeah. So if they if we just keep them keep them paid, you know, it's a tightrope, but I think we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we made it to the end of our time with Sal. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, lending your your comic expertise uh, to our podcast. We are humbled by you coming on board um it's been a pleasure i had a blast man uh mark uh i'm sorry i didn't let you talk at all but i do appreciate you being uh you know so magnanimous as to let me just kind of steamroll the entire show uh kale uh, i really appreciated all your insight thank you so much for uh for letting me on and sean of course excellent hosting as usual uh good stuff uh gentlemen it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me and uh and and introduce me to the uh to the to the pallies out there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna, to adopt the name we're gonna, we're gonna have to yeah, figure out yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, maybe we should ask the palsulation i i think i think that's a good idea you know whatever that might be yeah pals nation i like that uh yeah before you go do you want to leave the people with your plugs let them know where absolutely they can find you? yeah why not uh ladies and gentlemen if you want to subscribe uh to multiple channels you are uh, in for a treat i've got two of them for you the first one is youtube.com slash comic pop comic pop prime the main channel where back issues is hosted you can find that over there uh, or if you like this kind of show of course you do you're watching the show right now you might enjoy our live streams over on uh, comic pop returns which uh if you just type in comic pop returns you'll find it we make a show called off the rack where we do comic book reviews elseworlds exchange where we take one topic break it down for about an hour and uh, and more you know all the other stuff like if you're a if you're a fan or if you become a fan of comic pop go over to returns you're going to be you're going to be in for a treat you're going to get uh, unboxings of uh, letters and packages we get and and more so check us out there and uh on social oh yeah uh i'm uh, i'm sal says what on twitter and uh 
you know, you can if you like Instagram, you can go to Comic Pop Official and check out all the behind the scenes and TikTok videos that I cannibalize from over there and put them on Instagram. Uh, and if you are a TikToker, you can go to Comic Papa and you find follow me over there. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Thank you. I uh, highly recommend you guys go and subscribe to both channels. They are awesome. Comic Pop is doing some really cool stuff. They have a very fun dynamic over there, and I think you guys will enjoy it. So if you like this, definitely check them out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Thank you again so much, Sal, for joining us. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. And uh, take care. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Thanks again to Sal for joining us. That was super cool. Um and uh, yeah, again, like you guys should definitely tune into what they're doing over there. It's a lot of fun. And if you are new to us from them, hello. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we're going to have a blast the rest of the episode. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the announcement of Leslie Grace as Batgirl. Uh, what is now happening with Michael B. Jordan's Black Superman project that you know, came up and then vanished from the news uh, a little while ago. And James Gunn saying that superhero films are boring now. What? We're going to tackle all that and more. Uh, but we're going to continue now with the Pals polls. Of course, Sal let us off with his picks, but we're going to shift over to Marco, a.k.a. Mark, uh, who chose the last book you'll ever read, number one. What is that? So this is a vault book. Vault's been putting out some pretty good stuff recently with a couple really cool creators. This one in particular is written by uh, Cullen Bunn, art by Layla Lays, and um, it's a Bun book. I'm a Bun boy. Like if if he puts something out, I'm more than likely going to pick it up. It, it it looks to be interesting. I'm going to read the blurb really quick. Civilization is a lie. Hidden deep in our in our genes is the truth, and it is slowly clawing its way to the surface. Olivia Cade knows the truth, and she has become a prophet of the coming collapse. Her book, Seder, is an international bestseller, and it is being blamed for acts of senseless violence and bloodshed all over the world. Olivia's own life is in danger for those who have read her book. Determined to conduct a book tour, she hires security professional Connor Wilson to act as her bodyguard. She has only run one requirement. He cannot read her work. But, mm. All right. Interesting. He's mm. Bun's a very, uh, I think, a successful writer when he's in his element, which is usually like horror. And this very much feels like a horror book. So I'm, I'm going to pick it up. Awesome. Uh, I might try this. I've been wanting a way back into Bun. I picked up Basilisk, which we talked about. <laughs> it was cool. But it got way overshadowed by Nice House coming out that same week. Yeah. Just blowing yeah. it out of the water in terms of, you know, just being better. Um, so I'm going to try this one. Hopefully no other ridiculously good horror book comes out this week. <laughs> uh, you also chose Monolith number three. Uh, so Monolith is put out by Magnetic Press. And I've been picking up a lot of their books. They're usually sort of reprints of um, European albums. And so they they segment them and sort of turn them from these larger formats to individual issues, a little bit longer size, different formats. So it's, it's interesting to sort of uh, read them and view them. Um, uh, this one in particular is written by Roberto Reccioni and Mauro Uzio and the arts by LRNZ, which I'm assuming is Lorenzo mm. or Lorenz. And uh, this book is about a smart car. Um, and how it is protecting a wife who a wife and daughter who leave their uh, who leave the their husband they're going through like a bad breakup um, or in the process of potentially divorcing 
And I, I, I'm usually interested by magnetic press books. They've impressed me in the past. Um, Astor Pan is one that I can think of immediately that I really enjoyed. So I'm, I'm willing to give these books a, a chance. It's different. It's a different art style, very digital. The writing is uh, European, so it feels like a film, like, um, like sort of like an art house film. And he expresses that he had tried to get this produced as a movie and uh, it didn't work for a couple of years. The rights returned back. So he's producing this as a comic and mm-hmm. it's been, it's been really enjoyable. Um, it, it's been fun. It's interesting. And they, uh, in Europe, the, the concept of comics are a bit different. So they treat it differently. And I enjoy the, the, the difference that we typically see in, um, in storytelling and art. And so uh, if, if you're interested in this and exploring something a little bit different, Astro Pan for sure is it something you should pick up or monolith so far. Have you read the other two issues of this? Yes. Yeah. Is it from the point of view of the car? No, no. So it's like, oh. they, they, they're like a character, basically. You're out? Hey, if it's not from the point of view of the car, I don't know. No, thanks. <laughs> All right. You almost had me. Fair enough. Uh, Kale, though, is into Look Back. What's that? So this is uh, a book from the creator of Chainsaw Man, uh, Tatsuki Fujimoto, Ooh. and it's diametrically opposed to Chainsaw Man. Um, it's a very quiet, contemplative book, little to no violence. Um, it's a, a manga about creating manga and the isolation of creation. Um, and um, it's a it's a real quick read. It's only one uh, a one shot, but it's a very powerful emotional uh, book that um, sort of gives a view into what it's like to rise in popularity as a creator, and then realize that no matter what you have to keep going Hmm. and it's just it's a really powerful read um and i I would highly recommend it. it's on shonen jump right now i think it came out as kind of a surprise nobody really knew that it was going to happen yeah i thought i thought this that when they had announced it i thought it was that other one shot for uh chainsaw man that that they'd been talking about yeah i thought it was that so did i okay uh but i i absolutely loved it and then uh, you and I both chose Static number two. Static for me was the, the first issue was it was what I wanted out of Children of the Atom, which almost isn't a fair comparison because it's I a, you know, wow. it's a uh, it's a book about a high schooler who gets superpowers and, uh, you know, it affects his life. And the the ending to Static Number One leaves it on a a dope cliffhanger. Like it sucks, but man, do I want to read issue number two? Um, the art is incredible. Uh, what's Nicholas Ni- Draper Ivy? Draper Ivy, yes, um, incredible. Yeah, I can't wait to see where this guy see where he goes, but also what he does now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the book's been great. I love the first one tremendously. Uh, it was the best Vita Ayala I've ever read. And yep. that was cool because I've been wanting to find my way in with Vita. I just couldn't really get into 
uh, any of their other the, the Marvel stuff that they've done so far just wasn't for yeah. me. But this was this was it. So um, I'm with you, man. I'm super hyped, and uh, I can't wait to see where Static goes. I hope that this is the book that brings Static back into the public eye to where we can finally get the movie, you know, or the TV show in live action or whatever. Like with, with where things are now, especially with like HBO Max and things mm-hmm. like that, I feel like Static is a shoe in mm-hmm. for a project. So. I'm really hopeful. This this book's gonna have to do a little bit more work for me. I feel like I was I was down on the first issue, um, so I, I'm interested to see where they go. But uh, I, I definitely it, it definitely has to hook me in still. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, they've got they've got time because I think uh, we know this is season one. I don't know if we know how many issues season one will be, but I would imagine that they're gonna have at least you know. Uh, 10 12 issues maybe yeah yeah a run you know yeah decent run uh we're doing things in the reverse order that we typically do uh normally we would do the listener comments out the gate but uh we're gonna have to shift over into those now so yeah let's 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 dive into what you guys had to say um this week in our comments section uh kill do you want to do you want to start us off Absolutely. So this first one is a uh, YouTube comment from Catastrophic Cat on episode 240, the Demon Slayer outsells the comics industry episode. Cat uh, says, the Japanese business model for selling graphic novels is far superior to anything else. However, it wasn't the only factor as comics have stopped hiring creatives based on merit, it seems. Lulls. I, I feel like if anything, with our conversation with Sal... Like I, I don't think that that latter point's true. I, I'm definitely in line with the fact that you know we're we're picking up people all over this, like from all over the place. Um, N.K. Jemison from the the novel space, uh, Ron B. coming in from doing indie work. There's, it's not for lack of finding talent, but I think it, it seems to be like a perception about the. There seems to be a perception about the fact that like comics are in a decline consistently. Um, and I feel like sometimes people use the, the sales volume as an indicator. Whereas when you're comparing manga and the comics industry, it's a bit of an unfair comparison in terms of volume that they're not, uh, that's definitely a, a different conversation. And if, if you're using that as your basis of merit, uh, maybe go pick up a book. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, the the idea that they don't hire creatives based on merit is is just odd. Like, why would Marvel or DC not hire creatives based on their skill set? Like, you you may not like them, right? Like, for yeah. example, I am not a I haven't found my way in with Leo Williams yet. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that Leo Williams can't write. Obviously, Leo Williams has an audience. Leo Williams has fans. Or Leah Williams would not be writing for Marvel. That that idea is just ridiculous. Uh, like they're they're not looking to hire people on anything other than that. Like I guess I guess what you're implying is because you know Leah's a woman, or you know because of uh, you know because uh, Tana Hesse Coates is a is a black person who's a writer, whatever. Like that's just not the case. Like maybe maybe Hesse Coates got hired because of his work outside of comics but that's because they're a good writer outside of comics you know like it's not because it wouldn't make sense to do it for any other reason um so yeah i just i just i can't vibe with that 
and and not for nothing, my wife was an editor at one of the big publishing companies, and I couldn't get a job. And this company has way worse people involved who would have done exactly that. So I, that can't be true. Uh, I mean, you know, unless Marvel just has a uh, a checklist, like, okay, we got our black, we got our, you know, Hispanic, <laughs> we got our non-binary, we got, you know, like, I, I, mean, I don't believe that. I don't either. However, it wouldn't surprise me that somewhere high, high up in a drawer in a corner office somewhere. <laughs> the checklist exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is there an initiative? Is there a desire to find writers and artists who aren't just white guys? Yes. No doubt about that, of course. But that doesn't mean that they're picking up lesser people because, yeah. you know, they're not that, you know. Um, but let's let's move on. Thank you for your comment. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Marco, you want to take the next one? Yes. So this comes from Snake of Talons on our Loki episode six review. Uh, I know very little about Kang. So your review was very helpful for me. The episode left me feeling like I can't believe I have to wait for more, but the Kang stuff has to be hype that they're setting up a villain so hard. Uh, I can't wait to see where this all goes. I can also not wait to see where this goes because Kang's interesting. I know, I also know very little. So I think the fact that the show introduced them in such a way that made it really make sense and made it make sense for a season two for Loki, for it expanding into the larger universe. I thought that that was really well done. Um, so yeah, I'm equally on board for whatever they, they pull out next, especially as it relates to this character and future movies. I'm with you. Um, it's super exciting. I'm happy, uh, Snake, that we were able to provide you know some context for you for that character um, because I think that there are a lot of people who are in that space because Kang is really not a character who's done much in the last... 20 years like Kang's last like major story was in Uncanny Avengers by by uh, Rick Remender and that was super cool at least the, the last story that I was really like aware of I, he's probably appeared but he hasn't really been a part of a lot mm. of late um, he's getting a solo series soon so we will be seeing more Kang in the comics but if you're a reader who is not familiar with like 80s 90s marvel then kang is not relevant to you uh so yeah i'm I'm glad that that worked out and i can't wait for more for sure um jonathan majors did a great job yeah Yeah, he really did um snake though also left a comment on our episode 247 uh and said oh my god i'm dying you guys tore that commenter to shreds that is in reference to uh, the 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 comment that was left that was you know anti LGBT, and you know we kind of took them to task. I'm glad that that was funny for you. Um, of course, you know we want to bring humor to situations like that. I had to do it. I don't know, like you know, let me know if you guys think that was too far. But I I felt that you know, like if you're gonna write in with that kind of opinion, then you've got to you know. We gotta give it to you. You gotta <laughs> take your is. abuse. <laughs> um this last one comes from Gareth on our Superman and the Authority, Moon Knight and Jupiter's Requiem reviews. We did that with Tyler, uh, right. who is going to be joining us as a regular co-host on our review stuff. Um and also 
don't forget, we're going to be, well, I guess it, for you guys, it will have passed, but uh, Journey to Quiz Jury is our new game that Tyler created and came up with and is, is doing with us. Uh, the first episode of that will have dropped yesterday. If you're listening to this on Monday, we're going to be sh- streaming it live uh, on Sunday. So obviously, if you're hearing me, it's too late for you to tune in live, but you can catch the VOD and we will be doing this with regularity. So make sure that you check in to find out when the next one will be. It should shake out to be a monthly thing. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, definitely do give that a listen but um continuing on with gareth's message hey pals new watcher gave you a like and sub tiny hint in the constructive sense please be respectful respectful of grant's pronoun choices anywho i had never read an issue of moon knight until this week but picked it up just as a trial run enjoyed it so much i recommended it to a mate who picked up a copy and enjoyed it too not without its flaws but a good issue for new slash curious readers cheers lads Thank you. Uh, really appreciate the like and sub. That means a lot. Um, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear uh, beyond just that uh, particular review. I am sorry about messing up Grant's pronouns. I know I did it once and Tyler did it once in that episode. Uh, it's not something that we're doing deliberately. Uh, I can speak for myself and say that I've been aware of Grant uh, for you know, a really long time. I spoke earlier in this episode about how important Grant is to me. And unfortunately, um, because I have always known them prior to the pronoun shift uh, as a he, it's been a process for me to get into uh, referring to them as they now are. So it's not about me being trying to be intentionally disrespectful or anything like that i am doing my best but unfortunately when i'm in the rhythm of speaking i sometimes slip and that's certainly not anything that i'm trying to do so my apologies um but um but if you enjoyed this issue of moon knight uh there's a lot for you to go back to i think sal mentioned uh one run by a charles somebody that i'm forgetting charles houston Charles Houston, 2006. Apparently, I was just listening to their review of that, actually, uh, Comic Pop's review of that, because uh, I'm looking for a way into Moon Knight. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, this this book has early David Finch art. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yes. That's we cool. Talked, it's funny because uh, Tyler mentioned this run when he we did the Finch our art, I think. But he didn't. He didn't know who the writer was. He couldn't remember. Mm. This was that run. Oh, look at yeah, that! Because I remember a run on Moon Knight from those years, but I didn't buy it because I didn't know who the writer was and I didn't know who Moon Knight was. But I remember the David Fincher covers. So there you go. And and uh, for anybody else listening, like that stuff's awesome. Plus uh, the Declan Shalvey, uh, Cullen Bond slash Alice run, and then the. Uh, Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood stuff. Amazing. That shit's fire. Yeah. So Moon Knight, you know, low key has had several. No, Moon Knight. No, Moon Knight. Oh my God, Kill. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Moon Knight has low key had several really cool <laughs> runs that, uh, you know, kind of fly under the radar. But now that the character is going to be played by Oscar Isaac, I feel like everyone's going to cool. say. Their favorite characters, Moon Knight, all of a sudden. Yep. Um, yeah, I've been a, I've been a Moon Knight fan for maybe like ten years. I swear, and this is this this is totally anecdotal. All my friends, I would you know, we have these conversations, and they're like, "Yeah, my favorite villain is Thanos," 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, since when? Because I've known you for a long time, and you were saying the Joker like two years ago. I fucking love Kang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about this guy, Kang? Love him. I've told people about Kang because, like, everyone's asking me, like, oh, who's Kang? Who's Kang? And I've told them about it. I guarantee you by the time Avengers 5 is around the corner, I'm going to ask them. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, my favorite villain's Kang. Kang's so cool. Okay. Got it. Uh, let's shift gears. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. We really appreciate it. Um, you guys are you guys are tremendous. Pals Nation. I think that we're working on that one. Maybe I don't uh, like it. Yeah, no, I'm crazy right. about it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Tell we'll us what you want to be called. Do you yeah, have you guys, a, the Pals oh, Collective? The Pals. Here's one. Union. The Pals Verse. Okay, now we're done. Now we're officially done. Oh, <laughs> no more. <laughs> That's not an option, by the way. If you start a Twitter poll, that will not win, and that will be disregarding. Even if it won, it wouldn't win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So put that out of your mind. Let's jump into the news, shall we? Uh, Batgirl has been cast. The search for Batgirl, by all accounts, was uh, extensive. Uh, There were reports that they were looking at several different people to play that character, but they have finally landed on one person, uh, and that is Leslie Grace. If you watch In the Heights, you will you will know who she is. She I believe I didn't watch it, but I believe she played the primary uh, woman. She was a titular character. Yeah. Um, Was she the titular? Was she the height? She was she was a lead. Yes. Was she the the? She was the the. Oh, she was the in. I she was the in. Of course. Uh, so <laughs> she's gonna be playing. <laughs> I was gonna let it go, Kale. Could you know I couldn't? <laughs> I I feel you. I get it. Um, so she's she's gonna be playing Batgirl. There's been obviously a conversation about the fact that uh, she's Dominican. She is not a white redhead. Um, and that's something that these new properties that pop up are going to have to face every time when they try to deviate from the norm. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest. Like, I don't know her acting abilities. By all accounts, people who liked In the Heights liked her performance in it, so that's cool. Um, The idea of Batgirl being Dominican is on its face fine. There's no reason inherent to the Batgirl character why she has to be white. Mm. Um, But in Matt Reeves' Batman, Jim Gordon, who is her father, is black. So obviously, yeah, that that can happen, but we also know that these are not connected stories, right? Like, Mm. by all accounts... DC is not uh, all that pressed about sticking to continuity at this point. They're, they're doing a multiverse. Um, And, you know, right after this, we're going to talk about Michael B. Jordan's black Superman and how that doesn't make any sense anymore because (laughs) there already is that. So, you know, it, it feels like we just have to throw all that out the window. I will say though, that I think if, this wasn't an HBO Max project, they would have cast someone else in the role. How do you mean? I think that if this were a movie that was releasing in theaters, they would have cast a white woman. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I think that the HBO stuff, they're willing to be flexible with pretty much anything. And I'm willing to allow that just because of the consistent quality that comes out of the uh, most of their productions. And um, apparently this is uh, in the Heights was her first film debut. She been, has been like a, a recording artist prior to this um, at, you know, a few albums here or there, but um, I mean, her acting was really good. I'm personally excited because I think the, the, the idea from like a representation standpoint is really cool. Um, like my, my aunt, because she loves in the Heights and, and a lot of, she's in the, the theater space happened to see this and share it, like shared it with me. Um, and that's how I ended up finding it. So uh, if anything, it also means that it's connecting to different audiences. Um, and I think that's a great thing because this is something where she'll go see it because she has a uh, familiarity with the character and wants to see how her career progresses. And I think that's a really great thing. Um, it, it, it definitely doesn't bother me. And I think if anything, the fact that uh, Jim Gordon in the film is going to be black makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of Afro Latinos in, in general in, um, uh, uh, in the Caribbean. It, and if she does a, as good a job as she did in, in the Heights, I mean, this is, this is awesome. I don't mind it. Um, I'm definitely not a purist in the sense that you know, it has to be the Barbara Gordon from the comics. I think if they can capture an essence or create a compelling character that fits within the mold of what Batgirl would do and would say and, and is, then, I mean, that's Batgirl in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 certainly willing to accept it at this point. Um, I'm always gonna have a little bit of hesitancy though because I want to see these characters as they are in the comics. But sure. you know how I guess how else are we gonna get progress? It's not like they're gonna do a, a far sector movie, right? Um, although they should, right? Like they should, in my opinion. Like if you wanna if you wanna diversify, like there are characters. You know, we mm-hmm. have more and more of these characters popping up in the comics like you don't have to wait 20 you know they don't have to be 20 years old for for us to get them in these movies Mm -hmm. um but you know is is this batgirl project on your radar at all i love batgirl i'm a huge fan of batgirl and i want this to succeed desperately um to be honest, I don't know that they're really setting it up for that yeah. because I'm not like, okay, so it's being directed by the, the men who directed uh, Bad Boys, the, the most recent uh, Bad Boys film, Bad Boys for mm-hmm. Life, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was okay. Like, I, I mean, I like the movie, but I don't think that the... I wouldn't say that the direction was like tremendous or elevated or anything like that. Um, and then Christina Hodson is writing it. And I really didn't like birds of prey. I didn't like the script. Hmm. So, and, and Leslie Grace, I have no frame of reference for her. Yeah. Um, but I was hoping we would get someone who had, you know, some real chops as far as like experience and stuff like that. Obviously actors come out of nowhere all the time and they knock your socks off and you're like, wow, where was this person all my life? So that's the least of my concerns as far as this 
um, whole Batgirl project is, is, is concerned. But the fact that it's on HBO Max gives me more pause than anything I just said. Yep. That, to me, strikes as a lack of confidence. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. You don't think this is like a Loki situation where they're going to tell a a story with it, or like a Falcon story where they're going to tell it uh, as a series before bringing them into the larger DC universe? Because apparently it's just part, it's, um, at least from what I'm reading here, it's part of the expanded universe overall. I mean, but what isn't? Like, they, they don't have a, a whole, you know, thing. Like All the of their stuff spins out, you know, in some direction. Sure. Well, what's telling you that? That this uh, will be a part of their universe? Uh, I, it's supposed to be uh, in line with some of the Matt Reeves stuff, um, or at least on, like, Wikipedia says, it's, it's since it's on HBO, part of the Warner um, umbrella, it's going to be part of the extended universe for DC. Well, it'll be a part of the extended universe, but we don't know where it'll fit in the multiverse because remember now DC is like doing a whole multiverse thing. So Matt Reeves, Batman isn't connected to Joker, which isn't connected to, Mm. you know, Man of Steel. Like Matt Reeves, Batman is not a part of the universe that started from Man of Steel. So they haven't said where Batgirl fits into that mix. Like, is this, is her father going to be Jim Gordon from Matt Reeves, Batman, or is it going to be Jim Gordon from justice league? Right. Like, or is it going to be a whole different actor? They haven't even said those things. And that's what frustrates me about these announcements is that when DC says something, we have to ask ourselves 50 questions about where this fits in. And that's that's and, kind of why I'm I'm not bothered about it at all. I don't I don't know this actress, so I you know I'm sure I'm I'm sure she'll do great with what she's given, but I just like I have no you know there's zero hype for this for me, and I I mean I'm on the same level with you, Sean. I I like Batgirl. I like Batgirl a lot, but I'm I mean I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to get hbo max for leslie grace or the directors of bad boys three yeah um you know it's it's it could be good obviously there's absolutely always that possibility and i think that that girl fans especially with all the like stuff that has gone on with joss whedon and he was attached and you know how that shook out like i think they really have to make this good yeah. And if they don't, that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. But you tell me Batgirl on HBO Max, not in theaters. I don't know. That's just me, though. What we are also not getting in theaters is Michael B. Jordan's vision for a black Superman. Obviously, you know, we know that Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing a, a black Superman film. And that that will feature Cal L, Clark Kent, Black. Um, that's that's what we know. What's being reported is that alongside that, Michael B. Jordan is developing a series on HBO Max featuring Val Zod, uh, who is also a Black version of Superman. This one from Earth Two, to have his own series. 
I don't get it. I, I just, I can't say that I understand it. Like, okay, you want to do a black Superman. You have Michael B. Jordan screaming for years. Like, I want to do black Superman. Why not just let that be the project? Why do we have, why are there two projects? Why do you yeah. take Clark Kent and make him black? But then also say, okay, but there's this other Superman who's also black. Is is Val Zod President Superman, or is that something else? No, something that's else. that's something else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a this is a character who survived, obviously survived the destruction of Krypton, um, but he comes to an Earth that Superman already exists on, from what I recall, and he. I could maybe I'm wrong, but I believe he takes up the mantle after Superman dies. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, it's the um, it's from the Earth Two after the New Fifty Two. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's confusing. Um, I think that I I don't think that this one's going to be made. Frankly. <laughs> um, it just seems like there's a lot of in development stuff and this one feels like they're not going to, that they might not make it in favor of the film version because that's going to have more, more of a reach, more of an impact. I feel um, the not, opposite. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think um, they'll put a, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I think they'll put a stop to the black Clark Kent or some executive will say, eh, people know Clark Kent as a white guy so let's maybe let's just stick with that to me that's they already announced officially announced the Ta-Nehisi Coates movie I don't think they can turn their back on that because if I, they turn their back on that in favor of a series that's not a good look yeah it's diminishing a bit I mean it's <laughs> Warner Brothers like they don't look good so they, they could do it. I'm just saying I think that will backfire really badly. They can do whatever they want. But yeah. if they chose that route, that would not sit well because they, you know, they made such a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying they're gonna, you know, cancel the Tanahesi Coates film altogether. But until we see someone cast, I'll be very surprised if we see Clark Kent as a black man. I don't see a reason not to just integrate these two into each other. Have yeah. Michael B. Jordan, because the rumor suggests that he may play the character in this, in this series. And that is the kind of thing that will put butts in seats. You say to me, Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing it. Michael B. Jordan is, is playing the character and it's Valzad or it's president Superman, like whatever. I'm way in on that. Because that's that's being respectful, which I believe it's 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 necessary. Respectful to Clark Kent as he is, and, but it's also introducing people to a new character, who is also Superman, who is also black. I think that's the way to go. But you just say, okay, there's no more white Superman. Screw Henry Cavill, whatever to him. Now you've got two black Superman. I just I don't know. To me, that's not. I don't it, know. Is Henry Cavill still like he's still in like contract and stuff with all that, right? Like he's still technically Superman in the DC universe. I think the only people that know that are the the Warner Brothers executives. Hmm. The thing is, I don't think he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he is. They've tried to divorce themselves 
from that whole deal, I feel, because um, it was, uh, I forget what presentation they did, but they, they were talking about, like, the legacy of these characters on screen. And they showed uh, Wonder Woman, of course, played by Gal Gadot. They showed all the people who, like, Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa, all that good stuff. But then when they showed Batman and Superman, they showed Christopher Reeves, and they showed um, George uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> okay. I they both went there. Yep. They showed Christian Bale. Ah. So mm. they didn't, but they didn't show Henry Cavill. They didn't show uh, uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Certainly not the stash. No. I don't know. To me, this is a bad look. I'm not saying that I don't want to see. Michael B. Jordan's vision for Superman because he has talked a lot about it over the years. It's been, you know, it's, it's come up, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, pick and choose and do this stuff. Right. And I don't feel like they are. I, just don't. I, I think your middle ground's pretty solid as like a one from a exec perspective, like, Hey, let's, let's get Michael B. Jordan as the lead. He's been wanting to do this for a while. Let's get Tennessee Coates as the, the writer. Like that makes sense in terms of being able to, pass that through you know like a board let's say Mm -hmm. and um i i agree i think that's going to get people to to want to come in for for this film um i think also it'll curtail the the critique of um you know superman like who is who is the superman can he can clark kent uh be a black character It, it, it just curtails all that it's like well we're starting fresh and and i think fresh is a good thing for the dc universe I I agree. I mean, I think that they've tried to center Flashpoint as this movie that's going to like open the floodgates for the multiverse and kind of be a clean slate and everything else. And if that's the case, being able to say, hey, the Superman of this next generation of films is Michael B. Jordan. I'm in. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's that's a way to do progress in a natural way. But I, I just I don't think DC knows what their plan is at this point. Let's talk about Saga. Can you believe that Saga, the book that hasn't released an issue like three years, in really three, got its own saga. Yeah, like <laughs> at this point, the book's been in hiatus almost as much as long as it's been published. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Saga started what in 2012. And it's been on hiatus since 2018. So it, it, it ran for six years. It's been on hiatus for three. But keep in mind, within those six years, there were also delays. And there were also yeah, the breaks. breaks and things like that, which are natural for image books. But like Saga is notorious for these really long breaks. And this is, of course, the longest one. I don't think I've waited longer for the next issue of a comic than I have for this. The only other like really extended wait that I can recall was the wait for the finale of uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, mm. which was super long, but this is longer than that. I feel like uh, I was waiting for a while for Doomsday Clock, right? Doomsday Clock was was long. That was like three months, I think. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Felt uh, like three years. Yeah. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> uh, well, the, the the totality of their um, of their breaks or their their delays, I should say, was really long. That was yeah. supposed to take a year to come out. It, it finished. It took two and a half years, I think, to finish. So, um, 
Saga's been on hiatus for three years. And the crazy thing is that I don't know that I like, I think Saga's bigger now. I think the hype for its return is massive. Yeah. I, I, I know it like and anecdotally as the book that people came in. I, it was one of the books that got me into like that next wave of image books in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Um, and I know for a fact, it's one of those books that does really well in trade because people like to recommend it as, as this, like these collected arcs. Um, it, yeah, th- this, this book I think has got enough people on board that I wonder how, like, like, is this going to be the next comic to sell a million copies? You know, like, like it's gotten so big at this point where uh, at the, at the very least people are going to maybe jump into the monthly format with it because they've been so hungry for it. You know what? Um, you could be right about that. I don't think that I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility at all. I do want to share why we're talking about Saga because uh, there's there's apparently news coming. So, comic book shop owners received a message from Brian K. Vaughn himself, uh, basically letting them know that there was big news coming and that the book was going to be returning soon. So he said, hey, retailer friends, Brian K. Vaughn here, interrupting your regularly scheduled solicitation to say thank you for your undying patience while Fiona Staples and I have been hard at work on the second half of Hazel's Epic Journey. We promise that exciting news is coming and we wanted to offer your customers a cool new way to catch up on our Eisner Award winning series. This gorgeous box set, collecting all nine of our best-selling trade paperback collections in one affordable package. We think it's the perfect way to introduce any mature readers who haven't yet tried Saga to our weirdly wonderful universe. Thanks again, and we look forward to gracing your stands with more issues very soon. So, first of all, I don't know if you guys got the chance to see the the box set that they're doing yeah. for it. It's very nice. Beautiful. Goose is on the, on yeah. with, the um, ah, with Frendo. Love them. So good. Uh, I wish there was color consistency among the the different trades. It kind of just looks like these trades are the trades that (laughs) I'll just put together, which is a weird way to do that. I feel like you would design a new trade dress and things like that, but okay. Um, This is cool. And uh, I think the the cost for it is, yo, it comes out November 17th. That is the day after my birthday. So I expect uh, I expect to arrive uh, to be doing the episode and for it to arrive at my door. Uh, it's been been a theme on the pals here. Uh, but 125 bucks for nine volumes, that's $13 a pop for like each one. That's super affordable. That's not bad. Pretty good. That's a great way to introduce. Uh, he said it himself and he's absolutely right. That's a great way to introduce someone to Saga. I think that that date that particular point in time is telling as well. I think that by the time that drops, we will know when Saga's coming back mm. or the first issue will be coming out that same month. Oh, it's going to be wild. Something bigger. Right. Bigger? And, that, and that's something suggested in the Bleeding Cool article by Rich is that mm. uh, maybe we'll get a movie announcement. Yep. Ah. BKV's finally getting his with um, Why the Last Man and Paper Girls apparently and Paper Girls so um, honey but y'all got a storm coming for for Saga though I feel like probably not well and, and this is just based off of like previous interviews that I've read from both Brian K. Vaughn and from Fiona Staples like one of the ideas that they had in making 
this series was the fact that they wanted to make it so outlandish and so uh, like artistically focused so that it could be really difficult to adapt that it would it would be very hard to leave it from the medium from which it started so unless that's changed for them um, cool but from what I remember reading you know years back at this point like halfway through this half of the run um, they were vehemently against it being turned into a film they wanted to retain all rights what's yeah it, what's it his first day <laughs> you know what kale go read saga it's no, a nice package coming out nah he might just make you by giving you a stocking stuffer of the entire run you know what marco you get that for me i will absolutely read it <laughs> that's my condition though <laughs> okay at yeah, this point i'm be. holding out out of spite so <laughs> uh i think that they would be absolutely foolish not to go forward with some form of an ad- adaptation i think that mm-hmm. this I think Saga would, would function perfectly as a television show on an Amazon. Ooh, uh, yeah. I think it's pretty clear how they can make that work. And I don't think that anything that they did, <laughs> frankly, in Saga is so ridiculous yeah. that it can't be adapted. Um, technology is at a place where there's mm-hmm. nothing you can't show. And um, yeah, I think Saga is Saga's probably the biggest book that's not already been adapted that doesn't come from marvel or dc right yeah yeah if we can put jeff bezos in space or if jeff bezos can put himself in space they've got the budget for saga yeah i don't i don't buy that that it can't be done and i know what you're talking about marco because i remember them saying that as well but the money's just like the money's just there right yeah why would you not just say yeah let's get the money um but, you know, there is something to be said, of course, about, you know, them wanting to retain the rights. I have to imagine that there's a way to do that and still do some form of an adaption. Sure. Yeah. Um, if the, the side art, the side, uh, like, art on this box would be, like, a poster, well, shit, I'd be sold. Like, a movie okay. poster, that'd, that'd be fucking wild, bro. Like, if uh, Goose would be all fuzzy, Friendo would just be, like, this, like... You know what? Lardy guy. That's fucking, uh, that's toys. I, I have, I have one of the, I think I have a, a goose toy actually. But I'm saying with a movie. Like oh, that's, for sure. That's toy money right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lion yeah. cat. Hell yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing too, right? Is like Saga has so many characters that, uh, people will fall in love with. Like, could you imagine lying cat like that? That meme. Think about the meme that that yeah. would be yep. if you know, yep. like anytime, like Donald Trump says something, people take a, mm-hmm. a screenshot Thank of lying cat. Boom, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's not happening now necessarily. But if Saga was a movie or a TV show, it'd be all over the place. I think Saga is ripe for that, or ripe, ripe, yeah, ripe for the picking for things like that. And uh, I just, it's all it's gonna take. Is for them to sign the dotted line. I think Ooh, we should get on the on the ground floor with that meme. Marco, get yeah, on that. We should. <laughs> the lion cat meme. The lion cat meme. Uh, I wouldn't be the first one to do it. It exists, of course, but uh, oh, all right. I I just feel like um, bro, a, some, yeah, a plushie though. Like every time, like Kale says something, <laughs> lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well known liar. <laughs> yeah, Kale, the well known liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Um, but you know, one of the coolest things about Saga is the fact that it doesn't just feel like it's Brian K. Vaughn's vehicle. It very much feels like it's, you know, Fiona Staples and Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen her express anything other than happiness about the, the relationship and the rights and how things have gone. Um, and unfortunately, that is not always true in comics. And we're finding out more and more that it's often not true for artists, you know, being mistreated. This week, actually, um, a major story kind of broke on Twitter. Um, and this one, this one hit me hard, actually. And that, that's why I'm making the space to talk about it. Um, that Rick Remender actually he came under fire for his mistreatment of artists um oh yeah yeah. i saw like west craig had to like clarify stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna break it all down uh just because it really is a bummer uh so rick remender of course is well known and well regarded for uh several different stories deadly class of course notoriously was just uh well it didn't you know it didn't work out ultimately but that was adapted um and uh you know there's been some some cool stuff there uh he recently put out the scumbag mm-hmm. which has been a you know a pretty successful book by all accounts that was actually his most successful book at image um, his really? most successful launch, yeah. So, uh, Scumbag launched and sold. Uh, I think the number was seventy k. Wow, and that is not even close to the number that um, Uncanny Avengers did, which was his, his biggest launch overall at three hundred k. But because of the fact that he owns it and everything, that he'll make more money off of that sure. than uh, yeah. than Uncanny. So. There was a, a, a tweet going around about uh, it. It seems like it's been deleted. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that, but I know that I um, I know that I bookmarked it, and now I can't find the uh, the thread. So I, I think it might have been deleted. But it was an artist talking about the the pay and the right stuff, and you know the low pay of of creators. Something we talked about last week. So this is really piggybacking off of that. And uh, Louis Marosa. <clears throat> who was the artist on issue one of the scumbag shared a um, an article from bleeding cool that talked about what I just said about the scumbag sales. And then he went on to say that uh, he doesn't receive any money for, for that. Um, and that Rick Remender basically told him he was lying about his health um, as to why I guess he couldn't draw future issues or was having trouble. And he, he, he accused him of lying about his health and did not uh, allow him to reap the benefits of the book's success. Uh, Holy shit. So that caused a firestorm of conversation where uh, several different creators were talking about, you know, their bad interactions with different writers or different, you know, uh, companies sharing their good interactions. Uh, David LaFuente uh, said, he, he actually said, now you know why I didn't draw issue eight of the scumbag, issue eight or nine, whichever it was. Um, oh, but that, yeah, but he came out and said that. So um, Louis LaRosa said, 
this is a tweet actually from just an hour ago. He said, R.E. Remender, I signed over IP rights and rights to royalties when I needed to leave Scumbag due to my long-term health problems and was paid an agreed-upon rate. I wish no harm to him personally or professionally. Please continue to support him and his projects. So that's what he's saying now. Um, but at the time that he piggybacked off of the conversation that was already taking place about you know this hot button issue, um, it seemed as though Remender was being the scumbag in this instance by insisting that LaRosa was lying about his health. Um, so now Recommender is under attack. People seem to be implying that this is a well-known secret that he is this way. Hmm. And it is a huge bummer. I love Rick Remender. Uh, Rick Remender, as much as I talk about Grant Morrison, Rick Remender is my favorite writer. Mm-hmm. And I hate the idea that this is true about him, especially after everything that went on at Marvel. After he, he was the banner holder for creators' rights and for better pay for creators in 2004 and 2003, or 2013 and 14, I'm sorry. Um, and he was, the, he was the banner holder of betting on yourself and striking out. And, he, and I talked about it not that long ago, about how he was writing about, um, you know, how he had to, you know, accept a different standard of living and like deal with some really tough times for his family because he was choosing to bet on himself. And now you're telling me that the same person who left Marvel due to treatment, bad treatment is treating his artists like shit. That sucks. Yeah, I guess I, you know, uh, not to, not to cast aspersions on people who do, you know, exactly what you just described, but, there is kind of, there can be kind of a dark side to all that, right? Like he doesn't feel like he's getting enough money. So he's going to, you know, take it away from the people he's working with. Yeah. But it, it and, and I was coming across like a few tweets here about like um, him sicking like lawyers on, uh, Louis LaRosa, and that's why they ultimately came to an agreement. I mean, if 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 you're if you come across like somebody where you're you're coming into an agreement with them, you're saying that you know this is what ends up happening. And I'm making a lot of assumptions here as to you know remember how they came to terms on all this stuff. If if they're uh, if they're coming to some sort of agreement and retroactively somebody doesn't think that it's fair anymore, I mean you came you came into terms with that like before we we negotiated this prior to us engaging in this so that we would avoid this very issue and if that's not something you're willing to hold yourself to or another creator to i don't think it's remender's fault again if this is true i don't think it's remender's fault for saying well we abided by this 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 was the the agreement that we came to and now that you feel that Let's say there was more success than you would have thought. You want to renegotiate that. I think you're well within your right to want to renegotiate. But if at the end of the day, they say, no, this is what we agreed to. I, I'm not going to put that on um, Remender uh, or La Rosa for wanting to renegotiate either. Like it, 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 is, it ends up being what it is. Yeah. And, and, and the other side of the coin, of course, is that some 
of Remender's collaborators like Wes Craig have come forward and said like, no, you know, my experience was always super positive with him. And, uh, you know, he's a good guy by all accounts, as far as I'm aware. J.G. Jones actually said the same thing. Uh, he said, Rick has always treated me well, and it seemed out of character to me. Um I think that I think that there's two there's two sides to this. And, and by the way, Remender has not said a word about it. Uh, I don't know if this is related or not, but his Twitter is devoid of any tweets. Yeah, apparently um, he deleted them. He deleted all his tweets. On the one hand, I think that Louis LaRosa should not have joined in the conversation about creators' rights if he was going to backpedal after. Because he created a climate where now, okay, now's the time to shit on Rick Remender. And now he's backpedaling and saying, no, hold on. I gave up the rights because I was sick and I couldn't do the book. And, you know, don't shit on him. I don't wish him any ill will, whatever. So now, okay, so now you're saying it's not what we thought it was. But at first, he was pretty upfront about the fact that Rick Remender treated him poorly. On the other hand, just because Lewis is saying this now doesn't mean that Rick didn't do bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And like I said, other artists have come forward. Uh, LaFuente again uh, said he thought this was just that this was just something that wasn't public, but that all artists already knew and behind the scenes what Remender's like. So I don't know where to fall on this, but it's shitty if it's true that Remender forced him out or treated him poorly in any way. And we know that this happens to artists, whether it's Remender or whoever. We know it happens. And it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Um, just have to yeah, wait and see what the fallout is. I mean, you know, if, if Remender is off Twitter, then... You know what? Are, what are we supposed to do? Where we can't get that other side at the moment. Man. Yeah, I we probably won't get the other side ever. I I kind of doubt that uh, Remender is going to speak to this, but um, I wish he would. I really do because, um, he, like I said, Rick Remender is an idol of mine. Like I love this man in terms of his creative stuff, in terms of the message that he tries to send through his books, in terms of the fact that he stood up for himself to Marvel when he felt he was being mistreated. And it's hard for me to swallow the idea that he's doing the same thing to others. And it's like on a much smaller scale, but it's much more personal because Marvel's a machine. There's yeah. probably not a specific person at Marvel that was like, I'm going to treat you like shit. It's the system itself that's designed not to be good to creators and maybe not even maliciously like yeah you can't just tell whatever story you want at marvel it's marvel you know yeah. that's not trying to be bad to creators or stifle their creativity it is what it is the biggest system but if you're just one one-on-one -on -one with creators and you're treating them badly that's really not cool hmm. so uh, we'll find out if anything, if, if Remender ever decides to speak to it, maybe, you know, maybe he can clarify and we can move on and not have to hate Rick because I don't want to do that. Um, last but not least today, though, uh, we are talking about James Gunn, of course, the director of Suicide Squad, which is incoming, and the director of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. 
uh, who says now that uh, superhero movies are boring. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Get him. Yeah. Get him, Kale. What are your thoughts? Unfortunately, oh, I, I didn't have... say it. I mean, I've been saying it, but. I have the wrong two pals on the show for this conversation. <laughs> Whoa, what do you mean? You know exactly what I mean. What? You know exactly what he means. I'm offended, Sean, that you're insinuating that I think negatively of uh, of superhero films. Of Garbagians of the Galaxy trash. I'm going to read his comments real quick. He said, we know about the way cowboy films went and the way war films went. I don't know. I think you don't have to be a genius to put two and two together and see that there's a cycle to, to those sorts of films, you know, and that the only hope for the future of comic book and superhero films is to change them up. They're really dumb and they're mostly boring for me right now. I love them at the beginning. I was really excited when they first started making those movies. It was about the visual effects when I saw Superman as a kid. I still love that movie. Okay, I know. That's a guy on wires and blue screen with this sort of crappy visual effects. And then when Iron Man came out, I was in. You're able to make a guy fly around who looks like a guy flying around. And that was a beautiful thing to be able to do. But if the movies don't change, it's going to get really, really boring. What? That's a hot take. Especially as it relates to like what? the the cycle of, uh, like the cycle of movies, fine. But that's not to say that because they go like out of favor, they're not quality. You know, True Grits. Uh, I I really enjoyed that film. It's a western, and, and that's not to say that you can't. Like they're not the big thing. They're not popular right now. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to diminish quality. So on on that using that as an example in terms of like cycle related back to quality. I think that's, uh, uh, I think that's, a an opinion that doesn't stand ground the same way with like war films. Like we have a new war film, you know, pretty much yearly. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. And you know that again, they're not as popular and as frequent in production as uh, they may, they might've once been, but I enjoyed Dunkirk 1917 was wild. There's there's a lot there from a quality perspective, and um, to the point that you know they have to do different things. I think that's fair. Uh, uh, Logan's a great example. Um, there's a bunch of other examples, uh, just in, as it relates to like being a superhero film, but being wacky uh, within the the post MCU world, like Venom, right? Like that, that I never expected. I would have been like, yo, Venom's like a movie to watch. It turned out to be, and that's because it it did different things. Um, so just because it's the fad now doesn't necessarily mean that you, we won't, con- we won't consistently keep getting quality. Um, it just might not be as, there might not just be as much volume around it. Kale, do you have a retort? I guess my response would just be like, like, yeah, you know, true, true grid is good, but like how many, you know, how many Westerns were there that weren't true grit? that you can think of, you know, how many war films were there that weren't band of brothers or 1917, or it's not to say that they can't be quality. You know, those films do something different. They tell a a decent story. That's why they stand the test of time. But, you know, when you put some, when you put something into the machine, you know, it's not, it's not always going to turn out, um, you know, uh, a twenty-year uh, franchise. You know, I, I think his point is that 
you know, with regards to cowboy and uh, to westerns and 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 war films, is that this bubble is going to pop unless they innovate. And 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 I I do think we're seeing that, you know, to a degree. I think uh, you know stuff like Birds of Prey and even Loki, you know, and WandaVision, like that stuff is innovating, is trying different things. But you know, your hulking purple guy isn't that exciting. You know, you've got you've already got a hulking green guy. What's the difference? You know, uh, I I I agree with him, but I I do think, and I, I I think he thinks as well that there are things that are coming around the corner now that they're starting to innovate. You know, it's not all going to be uh, Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel and Black Widow. Even I, I, you know, I think they're working on it. I think he's observing that. I think if every superhero movie were like the ones you just mentioned, this would have phased out already. And I know you're not saying that there that there are that. Um, I think that this criticism is late, and I think that. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I think he's showing his ass a little bit because James Gunn is promoting a superhero movie and has done two of them that, frankly, I found to be among the more boring ones that have come out. Damn. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't really love those movies that much. Like, I get that they're about family and whatever. Like, that's fine. But <laughs> I don't think that the, the original Guardians movie was that innovative, like. It was cool. I'm not saying it wasn't cool, but I don't think it was this revelation, revolutionary movie. Like, clearly, he did things that were good because Rocket, Groot, and Star-Lord are massive characters, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't also mean that it was a revelation. Those characters were well done and well crafted, but that doesn't mean that the structure and the plot that they existed in was radically so much different than anything that had come before in terms of the story. The setting was different. The characters were different, but the story was not that crazy. And I don't think guardians two really took it and to, to a, to a completely different level compare those movies to the subject matter of black Panther. Mm. Uh, uh, notoriously the winter soldier was a spy movie like a, a a real departure from what we were used to in terms of superhero movies and and, and this is that, that's why this is ridiculous too guardians of the galaxy is more of a superhero movie than winter soldier is in yeah. terms of if you if you say like superhero movie as an umbrella and then there's all these different like uh genres outside of that right yeah because yeah. i don't think that I don't think that superhero movie is a thing in that way, right? Um, but Guardians feels more to me like that than most of the movies from Phase 3 and, and beyond. Do you think that Black Panther feels like a superhero movie in the traditional sense? Not like the traditional, or here's your origin and here's your first outing. Um, yeah. But it, it's definitely much more of a... like. It feels like there's a personal story interwoven yeah. there that that I think differentiates it. And yeah, your your point's salient, right? Like this, I, I think I think this is late criticism. I think if this was, you know, the like like 
the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man sort of situation. Like, cool. I get what you're saying, bro. But we've we've moved on from that, and I think we've had we've definitely had the conversation that you know these films are no longer just superhero. It's superhero plus this or this in with a superhero dressing on it, and and I think that uh, that we've we've moved on. This this is this is past. And I think I think that's the thing is this criticism also isn't new. Like a sure. lot of people have said this way before James Gunn, you know, and and I I think it's. While I do think it's a valid criticism, like we said, it's old and people better than James Gunn have said it. You're right. But I just don't understand why, because this isn't the first time he's said this. I'm really not understanding why James Gunn continues to make these kinds of statements, um, because I don't think they're true. And I and it's weird to me that he would think that when you think like genuinely, legitimately, when you think about the last 10 years of movies, superhero movies, we'll say. Um, we've had some real gems and you only get like in terms of, I guess, Marvel and DC, like let's say four to five at the maximum per year. And within that year, I would say most of them are good for the standards of, of these movies. They're not like, you know, uh, they're not going to most mostly they're not going to win awards for best screenplay or whatever, but they're pretty good. And then over the last few years, we've really had some amazing films. Again, Logan comes to mind. Uh, I personally think that infinity war and Endgame, yep. especially within, within that world are tremendous uh, movies. Um, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And like you mentioned, Kale, not even not even a year ago and even this year we've had some really standout uh superhero stories um with WandaVision and um and Loki and in my opinion Falcon Winter Soldier but we're talking about them being different I think those were very different mm-hmm. I sort of wonder if it's one of these things that somebody took out of context and made it a headline because he's directing another superhero film and you know, he's trying to say, I think superhero films are boring, so I want to innovate as opposed to the bubble's going to pop. Superhero films are boring. I don't know, man. I've seen Gunn say these things before. Uh, he said the only hope for fu- the future of comic book and superhero films is to change them up. They're really dumb and they're mostly boring for me right now. That's a pretty strong statement. Yeah. They're really dumb. I don't disagree. There, you think you think that the you think that phase three. I think most of them are. I, I mean, I've seen them all. I, I I have the books. I mean, I'm, you know, you're like you said, you're barking up the wrong tree here. I've already been converted. James Gunn won me. That's a fair point. I, Scorsese, I was- Scorsese won Kale. Uh, yeah. Sorry, like. I spilled my popcorn and then laughed through Infinity War. I, I just it's not this stuff isn't for me anymore, and I, I don't know how to tap back into that. I'm desperately trying. I swear I am. It's just not here. It's just not. Yeah, you got more comics. I I also really take umbrage, and this this will be my last point on this. I, I I take umbrage with the calling them dumb and boring. It feels elitist. 
And that's something that I really strongly dislike about. I mean, comics get criticized in the same way all the time. And it's like, you're not, you're not too good to read a comic book. You're not too good to, you know, watch a comic book movie. Um, you know, you're a human and there are obviously millions of people who, I don't, I'm not saying this to you, Kill. I'm saying this about James Gunn saying that they're dumb and boring. Um, didn't he say, didn't he say to him, didn't he add the caveat dumb and boring to me? He said they're really dumb and then period. And they're mostly boring to me right now. I loved them at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so he's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong, again, strong statement, clear. Uh, I don't think that that's a fair criticism. And I think that it's, it's, it's putting yourself on a pedestal of I'm too smart for this stuff. And that's not true. Uh, I don't think that you're stupid if you enjoy Marvel movies. Um, I don't. I don't think you have to be a genius to enjoy the movies that James Gunn himself has made. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's fair. One thing I would also counter that with, though, is he also knows how the sausage is made. So I wonder if like, you know, the magic of it has worn away for him in that, you know, in that way. That's like, you know, of course he doesn't like watching these things. They're dumb and boring because he knows the ins and outs. He he can see the plot. He can, you know, see the character arcs. He can, you know, he does these things. What do you think about that, Marco? I mean, it... It does. I mean, it, it would affect his perception of the production end more. But if you're out there trying to tell a story, I think that that gets communicated more than the mechanics of something, especially if it's a, if it's a good story. Like, yes, you'll understand how maybe they got a shot or maybe how they did a special effect and you can appreciate the, the work that goes into it. In my opinion, it would, it would elevate the movie more. Um, but that would be me appreciating the fact that, you know, they were able to make something look cool and, and, and did it so effectively. And uh, if, if he feels like, because he knows how the sauce is getting made now, um, I mean, I, I would think that that's, that's grounds to do something differently than, Hey, cool. I know how this is typically made. How do I make it so that it's interesting for me? Um, and I'm going to liken this to like learning music where, uh, I like recently I've gotten frustrated with how I've uh, been playing and I, I, so I, what I ended up doing was I decided I'm going to retune my entire guitar and I'm going to, um, I'm playing in uh, a D major basically. So uh, I, all the strings are no longer what they typically are. I'm going to try to relearn as much as I can from the ground up because I want to do something different. I'm going to get different sounds. I want to challenge myself a bit more. Uh, for me, if if you're not finding something as entertaining, then uh, throw it out the window and try something absolutely brand new. And uh, I'm I haven't been as frustrated learning guitar as I have been in the past, but in the, in a good way where I don't know where my fingers are going anymore, and that feels good because I feel like I was relying on um, uh, like muscle memory less so having my brain have to work and this feels like something similar where I, if, if you're viewing something where you know how it's made, you know, the mechanics of it, 
then do something to rewire that where you have to push yourself and you have to challenge yourself and you have to make a new type of genre so that you could fit the superhero stuff in. Um, for me, it's just grounds for innovation. I mean, but I, that's also sort of been his jam with superheroes. Like he, he did the one well before, how was it called? It wasn't kick ass, but it was something that had the guy who played Dwight from the office. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. That uh, was something new for the time. You sure. know, guardians was something new for the time. No matter how you look back at it, you know, in, in the MCU, it, it was something new. I, you know, I think he's going to try that with suicide squad. You know, he can't, can't necessarily speak to that because it comes out next week, but you know, uh, but also the other thing is he's finished with that. Sure. You know, so maybe this is, well, no, he's got, uh, he's doing something else, isn't he? Is uh, the next guardians. He's doing the next guardians and there's a guardians. I believe there's like a, a special, a ho- yeah, a holiday special that's going to be coming out uh, next year and oh, peacemaker. Lord. He's also making peacemaker. So oh, that's right. Damn. Well, mm-hmm. he shot himself in the foot. If he thinks it's boring now, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, but I mean, all those things, you know, maybe he's, you know, we don't, we don't know how far along the Guardians projects are. If, you know, if at all, the Peacemaker thing is honestly probably already done as well, you know, and, and, and who's to say, maybe he's doing exactly what you're describing. It's just not, you know, uh, he's, he's trying to restring his guitar as it were just in the superhero genre as opposed to films in general. Sure. Yeah. And, and if he's not content with that, then yeah, I mean, totally fair for, for him to, to, to do that. But I think to, to tackle it as like a monolith, I think that uh, I take issue with that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be very, very interested to see how suicide squad is. I want to see the intelligence of that film. I want to see, how smart James Gunn can be if he thinks that the rest of the superhero movies are dumb. And to be fair, he could easily, if he, if he were a part of this conversation, he would say, Hey, listen, I'm not saying that my superhero movies are smart. I'm just saying that yeah. the whole thing is dumb and you know, fair point. Right. Um, but if you're going to throw stones, right. Yeah. That's just my thing. But uh, we will, of course, be reviewing Suicide Squad when it drops. You can, of course, look for that uh, over here. The movie drops August 6th. Uh, Ooh, so July 30th for me. Yeah, so Kale and all those people who live in parts of the world that aren't as important as America <laughs> will have access to the film a little bit earlier. Um, and uh, we won't be getting Kale's thoughts because we don't want to be spoiled. Um, unless you're in the Discord. Unless you're in the Discord. In and which then- case, we still don't want to be spoiled. It's it's black bar forbidden zone. There you go. That's what I mean is I won't I won't be using black bars. They are forbidden. I'm going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Y'all better get rid of the discord. No, we'll get rid of you in the discord. You can't. I'm an admin. We can absolutely get rid of you. I'll get rid of you first. I'll do it right now. So then you get rid of me. Marco will get rid of you. Right, Marco? I'll get rid of him, too. Don't even think. (laughs) Someone will avenge me. I'll get rid of all the pals. Ain't nobody got nothing on me. I'm the king of the pals. It's okay. No one has access to the master admin, so. 
except for me. So there you go. I mean, listen, I got the password to the email. I'll change it all up. Okay. All right. All right. You go ahead. You see how that works out for you, buddy. Uh, we are going to call it here. Uh, thank you again to Sal from Comic Pop for joining us. Uh, that was an awesome conversation. Once again, uh, that is youtube.com slash comic pop. Go check them out. They're really cool. Um, really appreciate his, uh, his jumping on to talk with us. Let us know your thoughts about whether or not superhero films are indeed boring. Uh, if you think they are, let us know. If you don't, let us know. We are down to have that conversation with you all as we just did here among ourselves. And if you want to talk about anything else, you're free to do that as well by writing to us at thecomicspilesgmail.com. Of course, while you're thinking about us, leave us a follow, a rating, and a review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If that happens to be YouTube, subscribe for free. Like the video, share it with your friends, hit the notification bell so you're made aware of when we Idiot. drop new content. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Make sure that you guys tune into our Twitch stream of Journey into Quistry, hosted by Tyler Olson. Uh, it has already dropped for you guys listening now, so go back to the VOD and check that out. Uh, we really appreciate all the views, whether they are retroactive or not. Um, that, that really is helpful. Uh, stay tuned for all of our awesome book clubs, our weekly reviews, which are now dropping every single Thursday for Marvel, DC, etc., and then Image every single Wednesday. Uh, all that stuff is stuff that we want you guys to support if you're into it. And if you're not, let us know what we can do to make it interesting for you guys. With that, let's jump into the plugs. Kale gets to start this week. Oh, Ooh, I should have done Marco just You should have. You know what? And, and you, But you know what? I'm going to interrupt because... Uh, on the book club front, tune in tomorrow for the Suicide Squad book club where one of us pals might get bloated up. And to that, uh, you really want to watch that one on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. yeah you really do. At minimum, the beginning and the end. Yeah. If you need to fast forward or whatever, that's fine. But <laughs> well, the, the view will count, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Kill. You can find Pete at loud underscore Pete. He's got a band, a uh, long friend, time friend. I think they hit their cool guy vinyl thing. Uh, so congrats, fellas. Um, thank you to the audience. If any of you got it, that's rad. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at KaleWard.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. And if you want spoilers for Suicide Squad, I will hook you up. Terrible. Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Come talk to me about, I've been watching Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm fucking loving Jujutsu Kaisen. Come talk to me about everything Jujutsu Kaisen because I love saying it. It has such a good like. And then if you want to connect with that other guy that sometimes pops up on the show, what's his name again? Frederick Casey, some shit like that. You can go find him on Instagram and Twitter at Cyborg Bebop. That is C-Y-B-O-R-G. B-E-B-O-P. I, I have a hot anime take. Just real quick. Oh, okay. That might set our Weeb channel on fire. I didn't care for Mob Psycho 100. I haven't seen it. I hear it's very good. have not seen it, though. I need, I need to watch it. it. All right. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. You may have to talk about the games that you're playing because I'm playing God of War right now, and uh, 
this might actually be my favorite game of all time. This game is Damn. absolutely phenomenal. I can't get over it. Uh, I think about it constantly. Very similarly, I just got through my first full run of Hades, and I think it might be my favorite game of all time. Damn. Well, if we're talking about video games, I just I'm in the middle of playing uh, Mario Golf. Let's fucking go. Ooh. All right. Well, but that's not that doesn't have anything to do with the Greek pantheon, so that doesn't. Tell me, Good Luigi's point. not Greek? No, he's Italian. He's Italian. So yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> we should just, you know what? Let's just XP out. Let's just do the vid- video game pals right now. Let's just, just do it. Us. Let's just keep the recording. Let's just segue into. So the Steam Deck. Have you guys seen this? All right. <laughs> With that, we're the Comics Files signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.